This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport fan network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win... Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, fueled by Guinness, powered by Celery, the show that was very glad not to be getting hypothermia at Burnley yesterday. So, the brave Chelsea 3000 ventured north to the dark satanic mills of Burnley to face the hordes of black pudding-eating, clog-wearing residents of Burnley. Yes, Burnley. Is there anywhere on the planet exuding northernness quite as much as Burnley. An old school stadium, dank skies, driving sleet, and a wind chill factor of minus 50. If you were there, then my hat is well and truly doffed in your direction. Many were disappointed with Chelsea's draw. Some have been reported to have thrown themselves off Tower Bridge. So distraught (laughs) were they to see Chelsea's lead increase to a mere 10 points. If only they had the fortitude of the Chelsea fans freezing their nether regions off at the match yesterday. I'll leave the final word on Burnley to Adam Goodman from the Inbetweeners. We love you, Burnley! We love you, Burnley! We love you, Burnley! We love you, Burnley! We love you! When people now ask me if I like football, I say yes, I do like football, but not Burnley. Burnley can fuck off. Quite. Uh, Anyway, I am Stamford Chidge, and the name of tonight's show is the Chelsea Fancast Grim Oop North. And I cannot think of a better title for that than that, which I think is actually very apt. Anyway, on tonight's show, of course, we have the wonderful uh, Jonathan Kidd, who was um, on time, technology working. It's going to be a good show. I can feel it, Jonathan. 
Yeah, I hope so, Chidge. I'm going to speak like that for the whole of the show, if that's okay. I think it would be uh, very apt. Have you got your flat cap and whip it with you? Yeah, I have. I have, Chidge. Great. I'm wearing. Well, have I'm, you smoked... I'm wearing the. I'm wearing the whip it on my head, and I've got the flat cap on a leash, which is, I think I've got it the wrong way round. I see. And have you got? Um, have you have you got your black pudding with you? Yeah, I always. Yeah, don't tell me what you're doing with it. Now, somebody, um, Clayton and Marco, are already typing away and playing with their black pudding, by the sounds of it. Um, and they need to be quiet, as I keep telling them. But we do have the fantastic Clayton. We haven't had you on the show for ages, Clayton. We've missed you. I've missed you too. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, and no, I, I can also uh, contribute and uh, talk in a northern accent as well, if that's the way we have to go this week, you know, sitting here with me thumbs Aye. in me thumbs in me braces. Hating those you know soft what? southern shites that came up the turf more yesterday. Sorry, gone, Geordie. <laughs> well, you did a bit, didn't you? Why, I, I man? Yeah. Why, I? I mean, I, why, I? I think we. I think I'm. I'm really tempted to do this entire show in a in a dreary Lancastrian accent in, in honour of the poor people that went up there yesterday. But anyway, before we do, um, I have to say hello and welcome to my favourite uh, Chelsea scribe. I'm sorry, Clayton. I love you too, but uh, Marco is the the daddy. He is the daddy of Chelsea writing, and it's lovely to have him on the show again. <laughs> Stop being a northern no, monkey. Okay. <laughs> As you can tell, Marco. I'm actually. I have to say, I'm incredibly surprised that Marco's still alive, uh, because I was following his. I, I hope. I hope a lot of you were following Marco's tweets at, at uh, Gate Seventeen, Marco yesterday, because Marco had clearly spent the entire day in the uh, Cheam Sports Club, hadn't you, Marco? I did. Mm. I think. And I think I, the very lovely West London at West Londoner. Um, thinks I'm a lush now. Really? Can I can well, I just really. ask? Can I just ask Marco which part of Spain that tapas was from? <laughs> it was lovely, <laughs> wasn't it? <laughs> anyway, you lot, uh, remember you two particularly. No extraneous noise. Um, anyway, on the show tonight, uh, we're going to explain why it's most definitely grim oop north when playing football in Burnley. Uh, but a draw was not quite the disaster that many thought that it was. Um, in part two, uh, what are we going to do in part two? Well, uh, we're going to indulge in the great Matic versus Fabregas debate. Is it fair to point the finger at one Matic? Should Fabregas get a chance to wave his magic hat? How do we accommodate one or both of them? Or should we leave it all to somebody who actually knows his onions? Signor Antonio Conte. In part three, uh, we look ahead to the FA Cup fifth round match against the Wolves on Saturday. Uh, can we start dreaming of the quarters or even an FA Cup or league double? Uh, well, uh, we'll also recall some infamous, inf infamous, infamous, they've all got it infamy, infamous Wolves versus Chelsea matches from the past. That should be a giggle. Uh, and in part four, we've also got some absolutely thunderously cracking emails this week uh, from Harsh Rathod. Tyler Nielsen, Zach Zahid, Alan Gavarin, our, our, our favourite emailer, and Jimmy Shuker, not to be uh, compared to Davor Shuker, I'm sure. Now, don't forget, you can listen to the show live every Monday at 7 o'clock, uh, 7 of the p.m., by going to Mixler, and you will see loads of people in there like we have tonight. We've got the fantastic uh, Jacaranda Chick, Ozzy Sign My Broken Leg, John Chick. Did he really? 
tell us more. Uh, John Chips Chiverton, the lovely uh, Annalee Press, uh, and B. Pacheco, number 12, Matthew Huggins, Bonnie Rig Blues, some bloke called Tony Glover. He was on the show last week. They get everywhere. Anyway, full house as always. Lovely to see you all in there. And, of course, if you want to join in the fun on the uh, Mixler chat room and listen to the show live, all you have to do is go to mixler.com forward slash Chelsea hyphen fancast where you can join in the chat group, as I said, and uh, post whatever you like. Uh, you can also tweet us at any time you like, at Chelsea Fancast, and tell us what you think about the show, anything else, whatever. Anyway, going to be a cracker tonight. I've got a feeling in my bones. Uh, and before we carry on with proceedings, there's a little bit of this. So, so, Burnley, Burnley, Burnley. It's really quite funny, actually, because on the, on the Kerry Dixon show last week, Kerry and I were, were I don't know, we had a feeling it was going to be a, a grim and tough outing for the Chels. Uh, but, of course, it's a proper old school ground. It was snowing. I mean, it really was. I mean, the people, I knew, I knew a lot of people there, obviously, and they were all saying how cold it was. And, I, you know, I, I think a lot of things conspired against us. The weather conditions, I don't think, helped. But, I mean, Burnley, Marco, are a very, very tough nut to crack at home anyway. 28 of their points that they've won this season have come at home, and they've only won, won one away. So I don't know why people were so pro- surprised it was such a tough match. Exactly. Um, <clears throat> yeah, <laughs> you can't argue with their their home record at all. Um, they beat Liverpool at the start of the season when... I think Liverpool had something like 80% possession and 26 shots. Um, they won 2-0. So, yeah, I mean, I know, you know, the nappy shitters were out in force, weren't they, yesterday oh, afternoon? They yeah. Um, but, you know, yeah, it would have been nice to have got three points. But I, I actually thought it was quite an interesting game, um, given... What occurred, you know, for example, Costa Blanking, the fact he sort of switched it and went four at the back with Pedro and William out wide. You know, there were a few things going on yesterday which which showed that, you know, Conte's thinking about the fact that, okay, we drew 1-1 at Burnley, but really we should be beating Burnley. And, you know, we've got a few other games coming up where... Um, we are going to have to turn these um, games into victories again. So, interesting stuff. You know, that's a really good point, Marco. I mean, Clayton, you know, one thing that that, that, that I did think was encouraging, actually, was that, you know, throughout the game, uh, Conte showed a huge desire to try and win it. I mean, you know, his changes came relatively early. Uh, and he brought Batshuayi on. I mean, okay, admittedly, right at the death. But I mean, you know, he he wanted to win that, and he and I think he really tried, to be honest. Um, ultimately, the weather, uh, a few down, you know, a few off performances from a few of the players, and a bloody well organised and tactically very astute Burnley performance put paid to that, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I think that he he did try and win it. Um, I. 
think that some of the substitutions, certainly in the batch Y substitution, could have come a bit earlier. I think that he reverted to type in that respect because I think he was cautious and didn't want to lose, which is fair enough. Um, I, I think at the end of the day, I, I was disappointed. I think I was disappointed because I think it's a game that we could have won had we played as well as we can play. Um, I I think it was the poorest 45 minutes I've seen from Pedro, Costa and, and Hazard together. Um I think that something that Thibaut said in the interview I saw much of the day when he basically said the pitch was quite difficult and whether that's something that they do purposely because watching some of the players, the first touch was was awful um, on a number of occasions. But as you say, you know, sometimes you have to hold your hands up and say the opposition did well. Um, I, I've... Personally, I felt disappointed. I know that's a sort of an obvious thing to say because we want to win and we want to run away with it. But I, I was disappointed in just our general performance. I thought it was it was quite poor. That's just my opinion. I know how I know no, no. how diff, how difficult it was. Uh, you know, I've, I'm not taking that away. But I I think there were there was a lot wrong with with the way we played yesterday. Okay, fair enough. Now here we go, Jonathan. I've been, I've been, I've been letting you stew for a minute or two before I pile in with this question. Um, how is your nappy? Is it dry or is it full of poo? Um, I think, well, as, as always, I've got you know two two ways of looking at this. First of all, um, uh, it was freezing, as you said, beyond belief, and I felt that looking at a few of them before it started, I thought, oh, this is a great test, isn't it? I don't think they're very happy with this. Um, and also the Burnley fans were absolutely fantastic, but they're fantastic in that mad way, in the mad way that is, is supporting a team that they really think ought possibly not to be in the division. A bit like Stoke when they first came up at the Britannia. The Britannia, when Stoke came up at the very beginning, was completely bananas. They just cheered every single tackle. They cheered any throw. I mean, obviously the opportunity of the lap bunging the ball in from miles, but even when they got a throw in, in their own half, they'd cheer. They would cheer everything. And they did that. The poor old Chelsea fans doing, you'd hear, you'd hear, come on, Chelsea. And instantly you'd hear, come on, Burnley, come on, Burnley, just taking it over and taking it over. Burnley, no bloody Burnley. 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 Sorry. Burnley. Burnley. Uh, so, no, so, exactly, exactly. Exactly. I'm not sure you're allowed to do chimp impersonations, though, are you, Marco? Really? Um, but um, in case they get misconstrued, but um, uh, no, so, so first of all, there was that in your ear, which you've got to commend them for. It's a fantastic atmosphere. And it's, it's like stepping back in time, isn't it, really, into, a, into football when it was played in a, in a completely different era. And I think the, the pitch is the same. And it, there was, a, you know, the dark arts are practiced by that. I remember when Wolves, Wolves played Honved in, uh, um, in, in the 50s. And they, they would deliberately make sure the pitch was as absolutely watered and as, as shit as yeah. possible so that they could then just boot the ball up and run after it. And we saw a lot of booting the ball up the pitch and running after it from Burnley. And I thought there were moments when it was Wimbledon, particularly with that unbelievably awful turd of a player, Ashley Barnes, who, well, this is where I, I really get pissed off with the way the referees are involved in this. He surely, they must have seen that referee, how completely um, calculated of, of the dark arts it was of the number of bookings that went round from each player. They made sure that nobody did it, so they got sent off. And Barnes, every possible opportunity, was really giving it to Dave. You just thought, this is, this is just so obviously 
uh, a violent tactic. And the referee was just away with the fairies. You just thought, he's not paying any attention at all to it. Now, to, to go on to what that, I found those, that situation difficult for the team. I thought I, well, we were brilliant for the first 10 minutes and the goal was sublime. God, what a great goal that was. I actually, uh, I, I stopped there. I, I almost shed a tear for the brilliance of it. Um, but then... Uh, I'll tell you what, I'm, they... I'm going to shed a tear yeah. if you talk about it now because I want to save that for part no, two. No, I'm going to talk about it later. Uh... All right, yeah, shut up, shut up. Let me carry on. But, listen, but mate, I, I t- you I talk, listen, I, talk, talking quickly, about very, the pitch, quickly, Jonathan. Quickly, yeah, yeah, hang on, just yeah, hold, yeah. It, hold the thought for yeah. a second. That, that point yeah. you made about the pitch, actually, somebody else on, on I think it was Praj on Mixler, and I forgot this, but he mentioned that the pitch, of course, is very narrow at Burnley. It's, As it's well, yeah. Yeah, do you think that might have had an effect? Yeah, I, I think it's, it's well because if you've got, they're so good at playing the two wide players, aren't they? You know, Moses and uh, mm. Alonso, and also, you know, I, I think as um, as uh, um, uh, I can't remember which one of you alluded to, but the fact that that Costa, Pedro, and Hazard had a very uh, had a very poor. I think I think I'm afraid. I think it's worse than that. I think it's Costa, and I think Costa, since he was tapped up, has not been the player that we remember, and he's not scoring, and he's looking off the pace. And he keeps doing that thing, as we know he can do, of just dribbling the ball and not dribbling it and then holding it and then losing it and, and missing out on, pa- on passing it. You think, well, without our major striker, it, it's, it's just not working properly. That's the, and, and was shown by the no, fact... No, don't tell me, Jonathan, it's not working for you. It's not working. Well, yeah, it's not working for any of us, I think, when Costa <laughs> doesn't play well. You know, let's be honest. I but, know. But I, 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 and so that worries me. Um, uh, but um, yeah, I, I thought the other thing was that Alonso wasn't crossing well at all. He, he suddenly mm. got, you know, having been been uh, there was a great, you know, um, pro, uh, ten minute interlude on him talking about on on the telly whether he was actually going to get into the uh, the Spanish team or not. You know, and lo and behold, he gives one of his worst performances. Um, mm. But uh, no, well, I know. Listen, I, old, I, old I, Bean. Yeah, yeah, I could carry no, no, on. I mean, I was just going to say. Look, I mean, look, you know. I... I, criticism where it, where it's due, I think, but that's but I, I'd have to say that uh, I tell you what, you know, I read something on the on the BBC website today which intrigued me, um, and, and interesting enough, it followed on uh, from from a little bit of what was going on on Match of the Day two last night, where the odious Martin Keown was actually joined uh, by a man who has actually got a footballing brain, uh, namely Rude Hullet, and. Uh, Rude was full of praise for Sean Dyche, or Sean Daish, as he called him. I didn't know that uh, Sean <laughs> Dyche was a member of ISIS, called, but there you I go. I think he was called Ditche at one occasion yesterday by yeah, somebody as well. Yeah. Well, D- you know, but, I mean, Rudy, Rudy, was, Rudy came out with some really good points, and he, he was basically saying that tactically Burnley got it spot on because they were, as you rightly pointed out, Jonathan, you know, they were getting a bit of a hammering from us in the first 10 minutes. Uh, and... Uh, Rube was saying that very much our game plan is that the midfielders win the ball quite high up the pitch, which immediately puts us in a good counter-attacking position. And he said that what Burnley started to do then was that they started playing, I mean, not just aimless long balls, but they were playing long balls, you know, aiming for their men and finding them. And that made Chelsea sit uh, a little bit deeper. And, yeah. and and stop them getting that level of control in midfield that they needed. And I thought it was really... And in the article today, I mean, if, if any of you lot listening, go and check out the BBC and, and Rude's article about it. It's really good. But he was basically saying that um, by doing that, they could bypass our midfield a bit because Dyche quite... Dyche? Dyche Sean Dyche quite rightly realised that if he was going to pick a fight with us in midfield, he would probably lose. And I think this goes back to what I was saying generally and I know it's easy to have the hump, Clayton and Jonathan, when, when we don't get the, the result that we want. 
But, you know, I think sometimes you've got to admit or recognise that the opposition can play well and can stop us playing, can't they, Clayton? Well, I, I didn't yeah. say I had the hump, by the way. Sorry, I didn't say I had the hump. I said I could have the hump, but I didn't have the hump. I said all the reasons all right. why I didn't have the hump. So anyway, Clayton, right. sorry. No, I, I, I don't disagree. And I, I think I actually said that you have to give credit to the opposition, um, which you do. But when you say... Um, you know, they, they stop us playing. They don't stop us putting in shit crosses one after the other. I mean, Alonso um, was guilty. Moses was guilty. And both of those guys had good progress down their respective flanks. So there's no, you know, there's no excuse for that. There is no excuse, not down to Burnley, that Diego Costa is not running to the front post or making any any sort of movement. It's not down to Burnley that, our players, some of our forward players, went missing. Um, it might be down because, you know, that there were numbers. I mean, obviously, every time they attacked, or sorry, every time we attacked, they had everybody behind the ball. But we play against that every week. It's you know, and we and we beat teams. I'm not denigrating anything Burnley do. Burnley did what they had to do, and they did it brilliantly. And their home record suggests that you know, for us to get a point there was a a good thing. Um, but what I am saying is that there, there, there was something not quite right about the makeup of the team yesterday. Um, Which I think, I think we saw in a sense because he did try and change it. He also ch- he went four at the back, didn't he? Uh, in the yeah, second half of the second half, he did. It? And I, I, I just, you know, I, I do, you know, I accept that there is another team on the pitch. But also, I look at that team and I see what those players can do. And I watched them yesterday and a lot of them weren't doing it for whatever reason. Mm. Now, if it's the way that well, Burnley approached it and disrupted us, then then I accept that. But there, there has to be a little bit more coming from some of our players, certainly the yeah. front three. I think, I think like Smarties, I've got the answer. I think actually they were collectively suffering from brain freeze because it was so chuffing cold. But Marco, um, other than my theory about brain freeze... Because, um, I mean, I know you got quite involved with this on Twitter yesterday, but why Why is it? I mean, I, I don't get it myself, but why do so many supporters spit their dummy out and uh, and are so quick to turn on, on, on players and managers and anybody else they can find to scapegoat, really? I think it's, I think it's just a, um, a virtue of the fact that we now have 400 million supporters. <laughs> <laughs> According to Ron Gawley. Um, Ron Gawley's blue my army. It's you know. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I sort of see it on Twitter, um, but it, but it's not. You know, I don't. I don't have these conversations with people at the game. So, no. you know, maybe people see different things when they just watch it on TV, or I don't know. I, I, just, I don't get it to be honest with you. Perhaps, Marco, they don't actually know much about football. And the other aspect is is perhaps they just want instant gratification. You know, it's that thing if you want the team to win every week once they've established they're winning. Perhaps that's what they think happens in football. They haven't haven't lived through the pain of having Chelsea. um, Maybe they just want every other game. It could be. I, I think it's unlikely, Marco, but it's a good point. But do, do you, do you know think? From, I've got, uh, can I just, sorry, Chidge, can I just ask? Do you think what I've just said 
is is that is what you're talking about no 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 not not no not in the least i mean you know what i thought your comments were, were reasoned and, and considered i wasn't having a pop at you at all any of you actually no I'm no no I, I, because... I know i know you weren't and and, and, and and there is you know you just see it. i mean most people wanted to take matic to the airport at half time yeah yeah see so shit yeah. this is matter and it will come on to matic later but yeah yeah we no. will but it, he he was the one that was i mean and i think it's it's this it's scapegoating i mean I could give you chapter and verse right now on the psychodynamics of scapegoating, but I will spare you that. If you really want to know, my fees are quite reasonable and you can sit down on you know, on a nice comfy chair and I'll talk to you all about your own scapegoating. But, I mean, you know, the Chief, thing I've that... Got, what? I've got, I've got a quid. What would I get for that? About a minute. A minute? Oh, not a couple of sentences? Because yeah. that, that might be quite no, nice. you get a minute, you know. Okay. Uh, I but, uh, I mean... Would... Go on, go on, Marco. No, what I was going to say was, um, what is interesting, as, as I mentioned earlier, um, you know, clearly there are things going on in that team um, which makes it interesting when that makes it more interesting when they play a team like Burnley than it does when they play a team like Arsenal. Um, I mean, weirdly, you know, I thought Arsenal showed us too much respect last week. Um, and you know they did. They didn't. You know, Wenger has lost the plot to the point where you know he he could have set his team up differently to 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 shut Chelsea down, and it's effectively what um, Dyche did yesterday. You know, Costa hasn't Costa hasn't scored. I think was it three hundred and twenty nine minutes or something like that. Whatever Five it is. Games. Five games, yeah. I think, scored one in five, I think. You know, and he missed that penalty up at Anfield, and which I guess would have given him confidence. You know, he had two he had two shots yesterday, both were blocked. But, you know, so he starts getting a pasting, but he wasn't getting the service from you know, I, I thought I thought Alonso was poor yesterday. Um I thought Victor Moses was okay in the first. 10 minutes, you know, and obviously he was involved in that Pedro goal. But I, what I thought was really interesting um, was the fact that, and I've seen, Pe- you know, Pedro, um, when he goes out to the left, he's pretty good in that position. And I, and I just wonder, you know, would we have been a more formidable unit had Conte switched at half time and pushed, you know, put, pushed Pedro out, to Alonso's position, take Alonso off and have William, um, you know, effectively playing in, in Pedro's position, leave Moses to, you know, Moses isn't bad. Moses is good at, pretty good at what he does. Um, I, I just wonder if that would have given us more. Um, so I can see, you know, I can see why people get frustrated because they're probably seeing this and, you know, people watching it on TV and they listen to Gary Neville or whoever it is, spouting forth their opinions and they're just swallowing it all up and going, you know, ah, oh, kill Alonso, kill <laughs> kill Costa, you know, kill Matic. Uh, I can kind of see how it creeps into people's ways of thinking who, you know, that that that's the way they, that is the way they get their Chelsea, you know, they're, they're watching Marco, can I, can I just, you know, Craig Burley on, on ESPN, you know, if, if that, if that's what, what you, where you're getting your information from, you're going to come out with 
Todd Elgu yeah. is all I can say. Yeah, exactly. Jonathan, very, Jonathan, very quickly, mate. Well, I'm going to say, well, I didn't think he expected that the second half, it all goes in phases because there was a period where they got knackered, Burnley, and, uh, and they sat back beginning of the second half. And I don't think he's going to make a change at the beginning of the second half. He's going to keep it as it is because he's not sure what team, what, what's going to happen at the beginning of the second half. And, and in fact, as, as I suspected would happen, they came out tentatively Burnley at the beginning of the second half and just sat back a bit. And, and so it, we actually looked more efficient for about 15 minutes at the beginning of the second half. And all they did was revert to booting the ball down the pitch. Then they seemed to get their second wind. It seems to be a pattern of teams that just spend ages closing down or, or putting immense pressure on is that they, they, whether they force them to do it, they play for 45 minutes, really top tempo, and then they sit back a bit and then they have another, another go towards the last you know, few minutes, but whether they can or not. So I'd have thought it was difficult for Conte to make that decision because he wanted to see how they play. And I thought there was a period at the beginning of the second half for about 10, 15 minutes where we were back to our normal, beautiful passing best, but we still weren't getting any shots on goal. And as you've, we've all said, the crosses from both Alonso and Moses were very um, uh, weren't the kind of standard that we're used to from them, and Costa wasn't getting it about. And I thought Hazard had a, had a, a really excellent game, but he, he wasn't doing any of his dribbles into the box. He was just setting things up. You know, we're a we're a wonderful team from the passing point of view, but um, when we're allowed to, even then we're good at even if the opposition are really on top of us, we're great at flicking the ball about. But I felt once again to get back to it that that Burnley were very, very good at... They just basically got stuck in. And, and it slightly worried me that this kind of reputation the North has for, you know, well, soft southern puffs will go out there and they'll, well, they'll get kicked off the ball. There was a touch of that mm. about it. Um, you yeah. know, which is, because I, I, it's cold, there was a you know, touch of two men on each player, a couple of completely illegal challenges the referee just yeah. let go. Jonathan, I, I, I thought Hazard... I thought Hazard got, you know, that I, I, I've said this on show. I think I said it last week, didn't I, mate? That, you know, uh, I, Hazard can get kicked out of games quite easily, yeah. you know. And I, a friend is an absolutely abysmal referee and just let the game carry on all the time. I mean, for example, when, when Louise got booked for dissent for, uh, I think oh. it was Barnes yet again, going straight through the back of him. Yeah, you know, and I and, and I, yeah. but I, I actually I think the point that I'm making is that I mean you know it it wouldn't affect Louise who'll just man up and and give somebody else a kick, but I think it affects Hazard and I think it does put him off his game and I think teams know that yeah. and Dyche yeah. is a clever enough manager to have gone out deliberately to have done that. Well, as I said to you, I said that they they spread the they spread the yellow cards around. Everton did it last year. Yeah, it's um, like Leeds used to do. Us. Yeah, absolutely. But it, it's it. What yeah. really should happen is that whether this happens or not, is the referees, the whole of the the uh, the laws should be changed to have uh, the ten minute sin binning as they do in rugby. Because what they do as well is they notice a team is is deliberately uh, fouling in patterns, and the referee in rugby says, uh, right, that's the fifth foul you've done. The next person who commits uh, a um, an offence, yellow card offence, is in the sin bin. And because uh, they, they know it's being spread around. And the, what mm. really annoys me about Friend is how completely gullible he was about that. And as you say, it was absolutely typical, typical of that. The tackle where Barnes, who'd just been absolutely appalling all game, particularly the, the elbow on, on Azpilicueta, which somehow he got away with, for God's sake. Yeah. The fact that uh, um, he went straight through him at the side and then, and then Louise got, got cautioned. You think, you've completely got the priorities wrong. You've got a team here who is serially fouling and doing it absolutely de- deliberately as part of a game plan. 
and you're not noticing, referee. Mm. I mean, what is that about? What is that about? All right, listen, guys. Okay, well, we're going to go for a quick break. Uh, but afterwards, we will be talking more about this. Uh, but I think particularly we're going to indulge ourselves in the great, apparently, according to Twitter, the great Matic versus Fabregas debate. Um, is it fair to point the finger at one Matic? Uh, should Fabregas get a chance to wave his magic hat? And how do we accommodate one or both of them, or should we leave it all to somebody who actually knows his onions? Mr. Senior, or Mr. You can't say Mr. and Senior. I'll just say Don Antonio Conte. I hope that will keep everybody happy. We'll speak to you in a second. The only place for Chelsea fans. Footballfancast.com. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the Boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chels. Welcome back. I am Stanford Chidge, and you're listening to the Chelsea Fancast. Come on, you blues. There we go. It's a nod to my mates at the London is Blue podcast. I couldn't resist. Uh, I love you all, really. You know I do. Um, we're having fun tonight. Um, uh, it's funny, isn't it? I always think that, uh, you know, uh, a, a tough match can beget a good show, in a sense. But, um, you know, kind of carrying on a discussion we were having while, while we were having a break. Um, you know, uh, I just think, uh, Marco, it, 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 it's... We were talking about you know people's sense of entitlement, and you were talking about kind of match goers and people who sit and watch it in an armchair. And I, I've often felt myself actually that um, when I'm watching the game on TV and I'm sat in my armchair, I find it a hell of a lot more frustrating than when I'm actually at the match. And 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 I think that for me it boils down to two reasons. You know, when you're at the match, you can see the whole game, so you see it in a completely different light. But the other thing is, I often feel that when I'm sat there watching it on TV, I, I feel rendered impotent and powerless to, to do anything. And for some bizarre reason, when I'm at the match, I feel that I can actually affect things. I mean, it's completely irrational, I know, but I've, I've often felt that. So I, I think it, in some way it explains, Marco, why, why the, you know, this frustration pours forth, which is really what you were saying, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like I don't like being elitist and sort of saying, oh, you know, match going Chelsea and all, and all this kind of stuff. Um, but, but you're absolutely right. Um, you know, if, you, if you're where we sit in, in, the, uh, in, the, in the stadium, you, you can see everything. You can see what the, what the crowd are doing, how they're reacting. You can see players running off the ball. You can have a look in the technical area. Um, so there's all kinds of things going on. What you, what you do not get is um, all that analytical stuff that the commentators are pumping in. That, that, that you know, I think I think it kind of jaundices your your perception of uh, what's actually going on. Um, you know, I mean, if if like if the commentators sitting there and the analyst and they're they're busy coating off a particular player. You know, if that's all you're used to, you're just going to start believing it, aren't you? Um, and and yeah. regurgitating it. That, that, that's the way that's I see it. Yeah, fair point. Anyway, look, let's get on with that. Uh, I forgot to take my acid drop out and Jonathan will tell me off. But before I get on with the uh, Matic Fabregas thing, <laughs> Jonathan, I've got to read... Uh, well, I mean, you know, I mean, if if anything, I, I am I may be many things, Jonathan, but I'm not a hypocrite. Um, so anyway, I've got to read you this, Jonathan. You'll love this. Benny the Blues just said, 
buttered coffee is super popular with my friends who do Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Don't know why or how that circle includes Jonathan Kidd. <laughs> what is I Brazilian you'd like that. jiu-jitsu? Is, 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 well, there we go. Is, is, that, is that shaving your pubic hair off while doing martial arts? <laughs> Oi! Put them tush. Quality response, Jonathan. I expect nothing less. Now, anyway, look, earlier on in the show, as you know, and of course, a lot of stuff on social all about it, but Matic got... Well and truly scapegoated, I think, uh, for for yesterday's performance. Um, you know, I've got the, the first thing. I mean, you know, uh, the, 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 we're going to spend a bit of time on this, so bear with us, people. But I mean, the first thing is, I think, you know, like like people do, uh, he had a bad day at the office. But I tell you what, what else I thought, uh, Clayton, I just wonder whether um, the fact that he was playing against Ashley Barnes again played on his mind, and you know, maybe put a screw loose and stopped him playing so well. Uh, very possibly. Um, maybe there was a bit of verbal out there. Um, if you think about it, a lot of his game went to pieces uh, for quite a, a while after mm. the, the whole incident. And um, it obviously affected him deeply. And seeing him careering about, putting himself about, it could have it could have affected him. But, you know, it, we, we talk about the way Burnley play uh, and not being on, t- uh, being on TV and not watching it at the ground. You don't know other factors that we couldn't, we couldn't actually see. He just had a poor game. Um, it happens. Um, he's been excellent this season. I think people making him a scapegoat is is quite ridiculous. Um, I'll defend him because I think um, he does a, he does a really good job, and I think his his partnership with Kante is fantastic. Um, are there better midfielders out there? Yeah, there are. But I mean. That's that's not where we're at at the moment. He he is a, a cornerstone of that side that's doing very well, uh, and I think coaching him doesn't really help. I do think that he should have come off earlier yesterday um, because I, mm. he obviously he obviously was struggling. Um, but no, I've I've got no problem with him. I've got problem with people who've got a problem with him. If that makes sense, <laughs> it does. It does. Jonathan, would you have would you have pulled Matic off earlier? <laughs> Half an hour, It slightly worries me that um, um, I didn't notice that he was playing badly. I know that he gave away the free kick with a strange a kick well backwards, but I thought he was doing okay. I'm a big fan. Mm. I think he's done wonderfully this year. And um, uh, uh, no, I, I, I wouldn't have taken him off at all. I, mean, I was even surprised when he went off because um, uh, mm. I thought there could have been another permutation. Um but no, I, I'm, I'm sorry to say I thought he was okay. I'd be, I'm, I no, don't know good what for you, mate. when I was watching it. You know, sorry, I think he's great. No, I'm, I'm, I'm delighted to hear you say that, J.K. I really am. I mean, I, I'd be interested to hear what Marco says to this. I mean, I, I've got kind of, I've got this imaginary poll in my head. I mean, in the old days of the fan cast, when I could find the, uh, the widget on the website that would create a poll, whereas I can't find it anymore for some reason. We would have done this and we'd have had it on the telly, if you remember, when we were doing that god-awful ego-driven stint on telly. Uh, My ego, not anybody else's, I hasten to add. But the poll would have been something like this, Marco, in the current climate. Um, A, Fabregas. B, Matic. Or C, trust Conti, he knows more than us. Which one would you vote for, Marco? I I, I think after what's happened this season... Um, I think I trust Conte every time, even when I'm drunk. <laughs> <laughs> well, mate, you were drunk yesterday, and I think that was coming through loud and clear. To be fair, yeah. no, I, 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 I mean, you know, I, I, what I think is, um, 
I think Conte perhaps is now going through a period of thinking about what he's got to do. We've got 13 games left. Um, teams are working out how to play Chelsea, particularly teams like Burnley. You know, it'll only take a couple more games where, um, you know, if we draw instead of win... And we could get hauled. We get. We could get hauled in. You know, or reeled in. Um, and I'm sure that's preying on Conte's mind. And I think, you know, I, I personally think that Fabregas brings to a game something that Matic doesn't. Um, and he might have been a better selection to have started that game yesterday. Um, you know, he, he's he's a physical player, but he's also intelligent, and he's got an eye. He's got an eye for a pass that you know Matic hasn't got. Um, you know, he he could quite easily bypass. He could have bypassed Keane with a decent pass and got Costa in. You know, this is all. You know, those, those two together work well, and I, I just wonder if we if we might see that. I mean, obviously, there's the FA Cup at the weekend. So that'll be all change. Um, I don't. I don't know. I, I think we might see a lot, a bit more of Fabregas uh, towards the end as as the season closes in. The end of season closes well, that, in. That, that's a wonderfully good segue, Marco. Because uh, and uh, Quacks will be delighted to know that I've 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 gained the ability to read. Uh, Kwaku being uh, a mate of Tony Glover's and mine, actually, and, and I think most of us know Quacks, but uh, I know he's done a few podcasts on the, the what I like to call the plotting shed, no longer the podding shed, formerly known as the podding shed, now known as the plotting shed. Uh, but Quakes did a really good uh, article for UMaxit or whoever they are today, and he hi- hypothesised on the idea of switching from a 3-4-3 to a 3-5-2. Uh, not three five three. As I, I've done my usual trick when I write down formations, I, I always seem to add another man somehow. But anyway, no, he meant three five two, uh, and in that way, um, he was basically saying that we could accommodate Fabregas and Matic. Mat- Matic. And um, I'll give you the idea, the reason why, and then I'll give you the team that I would envisage if he was to do that. But I think what he was also saying was that other than enabling Fabregas to come on and link up better with Hazard and Costa, which we've seen him do in the past, um, it would also help to close uh, the gap that we quite often see between Alonso and Cahill and Moses and Aspie. And that has been, uh, you know, Marco talking about uh, teams figuring us out a bit, that's definitely been uh, a vulnerability of ours. I mean, the Tottenham game being the perfect example of that. Just hang on a second and then I'll bring you in. Um, but anyway, a three-five-two might look something like this: Courtois in goal, Aspi, Louise, Cahill, Moses, Kante, Fabregas, Matic, Alonso, Hazard, Costa. So, in a sense, what you'd get is you'd get Fabregas's creativity and link play with Hazard and Costa, but you wouldn't lose any of the defensive solid solidity in midfield. And the other thing is, final point on this, is if you were playing with the five in the, in the midfield. Um, we might not get outnumbered and bullied like we did a little bit against Spurs. Jonathan, you know, I can tell you're champing at the bit to come up, come back at me with that. Well, I, I, I don't think it's going to happen at all, Chidge. I think he'll play as he's been playing. I think he tried that four four two out purely because he wanted to put two up because they they mm. had it by then, Burnley. The, in, in, towards yeah, the end of the point. second half, all they did was just boot the ball up the pitch. 
So it was completely meaningless to uh, to not have two up. He thought, well, I'll put two up, we might score. So we therefore he accommodated that accordingly. I don't, and I have to say, I, I don't think he'll, he'll ever start with Fabregas because he's not he's not got he's not got enough bite. And Matic has it. Matic has that, but it fits the it fits the pattern perfectly. Whereas Fabregas, who he has started with and was all last season, was easily bypassed. He's easily bypassed. He's a wonderful creative player. And for me, he's great for coming on late on and providing those enormous long balls when the opposition are knackered and they can't deal with this extra skill. But I think it, it fits the way he's playing to actually stick with the, uh, you know, the original that works. I just fit, I felt that, for me, the only thing that was wrong at the weekend was, um, was uh, Costa not, not, not being on his game. And uh, otherwise, I think we'd have won easily. And so I, I, I don't think there's any argument. I think Fabregas always comes on later because he hasn't got. I mean, he isn't, he's not quick enough to deal. He's not. He's not strong enough to deal with the pattern that Conte wants, which is to have Matic and Kante next to each other. So that's my. I mean, opinion. I wonder. I wonder if I. I, would, I wonder if I could invent a new formation here, Jonathan, which would be. Uh, it would be three, four, no, no, two, one. You said. You said. One. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, no, I no, still... I, I, it, it's it's three five two apparently, but um, I'm just thinking that actually, if you if you move Fabregas out of the midfield and had a two of him and Hazard behind Costa, that would free up his defensive responsibilities even more. You still got Matic and Kante behind him, and well, he can link he perhaps Pedro, more effectively with Hazard and Costa. Out. Is Pedro dropped? Yeah, Pedro and William won't get into this side. I think that's also the interesting point. Yeah, possibly, possibly, but I just think it's, it's yeah. But I always feel that would be something he'd tactically come up with as the game evolved rather than start. Well, he like does. That. He does, I think. Yeah. I mean, I think yeah, I've no, seen absolutely. him do that. But, but once again, you, you were saying, should we start with Fabregas? I don't think we should. Mm. I mean, look, I'm horses for courses, personally. I mean, I think, I think at away <coughs> games, I think you want to you wanna be a bit more solid. But I think at home, certainly when teams will just come and sit back and defend. And quite often, this is what we've seen. I mean, Burnley have done what a lot of other teams have done to us of their ilk. And they have defended effectively with six, haven't they, Clayton? So, I mean, at home, you need a bit more creativity, I think. Yeah, I think so. I, th- I think without sort of shooting a hole in your in your script and the question of Matic or Fabregas, I don't think those are the two alternatives. I think Fabregas has to replace either Pedro or William. Because I mm. think, as you, as you alluded to, and I thought very much the case, was that we got bullied at Spurs because we got outnumbered in midfield. Um, yeah. And I think that, you know, I think Matic and Kante, for the time being, have to be in the team. Um, and then it's a question of how you accommodate other players around them. Because I don't think that you can take any one of those two out, certainly not from the beginning, <laughs> certainly not in away games, uh, perhaps I'd be a little bit more relaxed with maybe a William, a Fabregas, and a Kante if we were playing. Maybe it's Swan, you know, if we're playing Swansea. Um, but I, I don't think that's going to happen between now and then because, as I, I alluded to earlier on, I think, as Marco said, the Don is working it out. But what he's doing is he's negotiating how we are going to get over the line in these last 13 games and I yeah. think um, he's going to he's going to revert to type he's going to go full Italian and we're going to be cautious rather than the other way around and I you know Fabregas is going to get less rather than more game time I'm afraid do you know, do you know what Clayton do you know what I've just, you've just given me a, this weird kind of fantasy in my head and, and a, and I, a lo- I do I, 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 I do, I do that do. a lot 
Yeah. <laughs> I know you do, but don't don't tell don't tell everybody. They'll they'll all want me to do that. But I've now got this fancy in my head that Don Conte is going to make sure we eke out one nil wins for the rest of the season. I mean, because just think how how pissed off people would be with that. I mean, I personally oh, would love it. Outstanding, know, Marco. Uh, Marco, do you think is is there any any sense to that, or or, or as, as you quite rightly said a minute ago, and I would thoroughly agree with, I think we all, we're all in agreement here, is that you know why why don't we just leave this to Conte? He's bloody good at what he does. So what do we know? Uh, exactly. You know, I, I think fair play to him yesterday. You know, he changed it. He actually did have a go for it. Um, what I think is. Other teams will have seen that game yesterday. So, you know, obviously Paul Clement and Swansea, he's, he's sort of sorted them out, hasn't he, since he's gone there. And they're starting to get some results. You know, they, they weren't embarrassed up at City the other week when they lost 2-1. You know, that was like a injury time goal that they lost that game to. You know, he, he's going to know exactly what to do um, when he comes to the bridge. And it won't be too far off. You know what Swansea, were, what Burnley were doing yesterday, and I think you know Conte's really got to um, think about what he's going to do, and and he is going to do that, and I'm going to trust him to do it. So you know whether I think Fabregas should be in the team from the get go or, or or not is immaterial because if Conte says this is what I'm doing, I'm going to trust him. Um, so yeah, that is my yeah, Mark, point. I, good. Well, I've got I've got a, an even easier question for you to answer here from Bonnie Rig Blues, mate, uh, who says, "Did Marco eat that pile of crisps yesterday?" I think I think he means the Spanish tapas, mate. Or the, uh, the, 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 the what's it called? Sunday Sutton, special. Sutton, Sunday special. What, what's it called? Sunday Sun- special. Did you eat it all? Uh, I can't remember. <laughs> I I've had some assistance. <laughs> That's I kind of like think we need to know. Yeah, I know. I was in the doghouse when I got in last night. <laughs> I bet you were. Yeah, train in vain, mate. Um, and then I anyway. I, I, yeah. yeah, Benny the Blue has just come up with an absolute perler on Mixer. You're going to love this, people. Uh, Spurs official have just tweeted congratulations uh, to at Spurs official fan at Adele. Uh, on scooping five awards at last night Grammys and someone trolled back she's won more trophies in one night than you've won in two decades but um <laughs> that is outstanding <laughs> outstanding anyway talking of outstanding good segue there uh, we really do need to applaud that fantastic goal uh, by Pedro and and what I love, do you know what I love most about that in fact I love lots of things about it but the two things I love most is the fact that Moses in spite of being hacked, managed to stay on his feet and carry on and run through. But Pedro's bit of skill to control the ball on his first touch, because it wasn't a brilliant ball in at all, but he controlled it beautifully, and that made it such a superb goal for me, Jonathan. What a goal. Chidge, I actually had to pause it. I was watching on the telly. I I had to pause it and just go... very similar noises to that about how wonderful it was. It was wonderful. And I repeated to myself, I was on my own, what a wonderful goal. What a... And I got very tearful. And I thought that was going to be the end of a, that was going to be a drubbing. And of course I'd done yeah. that ridiculous thing of, of actually um, 
I didn't watch it in real time because I was giving this talk about my dad at this film festival, uh, which went quite well, actually. And um, uh, and so I got back, you know, not having and some bloke had said to me, what are you doing now then, Jonathan? Some some uh, film fan. And I said, I'm about to watch the uh, I'm about to watch the Chelsea game. He said, oh, great game. Three, three. He said, three, three. And I said, no, shut up. You're taking the piss. Shut up. I know you're not. I know you are. But I then had this terrible fear all through the game that uh, there were six goals in it. It became very apparent when it was about five minutes to go. That wasn't going to be the case. But I was just watching it in complete despair as to what on earth the score was going to be. Um, and uh, so, but that first goal was uh, sublime. They're a sublime team. You've, what we've got to appreciate is our team are great with a great manager. And there are moments that they absolutely perform out of their skins. And I love them for it. And, uh, and and then they get involved in the whole process of how the rest of the, you know, the game goes. But there are some great, great movement going on. Some of the first time passing, even yesterday, whenever he's complaining about the performance, was just absolutely remarkable. I love it. These little, the fact that they've got two pick players on, they flick the ball through, somebody else gets the ball, flicks it through. Little triangles, little more than that, four or five passes, get the ball out to the wing. And I think your point about the pitch being narrow, Chid, was a very good one. Because they do thrive on getting the ball as far out to Alonso and Moses as possible, who hug the wing, which wasn't the case ever under any of the other previous managers. Under Mourinho, it was all, we were accused of being too narrow all the time. The two, the two wing backs are really essential. And if they can't get enough room, as they couldn't, it's difficult for them because they're just yeah, constantly being right. pressed. You know, and I think one of the things one has to remember, both with Moses and Alonso, is that one of the reasons they weren't getting the ball in as well as they normally do is because they were put under great pressure by the Burnley players. Yeah, no, they were. Who were really that's, going that's for it. Absolutely spot on, mate. And I and I, I couldn't agree more with that. I think it's some, there's some absolutely beautiful football being played and not defensive in any way, shape or form, Mr Mourinho. Um, yeah. Anyway, talking of, talking of things of beauty, Clayton... Um, I have to say, I thought that that free kick by uh, Brady was... I mean, talking about Brady, it was very redolent of Chippy Brady, uh, who was a superb player for Arsenal back in the day. I, I personally... I mean, you're our goalie expert, Clayton. I personally don't think that Courtois really could have done much about that, do you? I think the only thing he could have done was brought a ladder onto the pitch with him and probably stood <laughs> on the ladder. No, it, it was perfect. And the, and the fact that Thibaut even got anything on it which i think he did manage to get a little finger on it i no, that, that was brilliant that was the sometimes you have to just doff your hat and say good goal mm. um just going back to our goal even before we scored the actual i was trying to get my son's head out of his iphone and i said you have to watch this because the triangle just from the throw on yeah. to get it even before the ball was played to moses was brilliant was absolutely brilliant. I mean, the whole goal was outstanding. But yeah, no, I, I, you know, just going back to Tebow. Hello, how good was he yesterday? Absolutely horrendous, horrendous conditions for a goalkeeper. Handling was brilliant. He made one fantastic save just after it was one all to keep it at one all. Um, just very, very good. Um, he's he's uh, he's a big asset. I have to say. Mm. Can I just I'm make a quick? Of, uh, very quickly, about yeah. The free kick. Um, uh, you can't fault Thibaut, but you could fault the wall because uh, mm, Diego, yeah. Diego Diego ducked rather than get it on the head. Well, Moses, I thought, was, was more culpable. They're both culpable. They're both of them were. 
Yeah. 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 Don't like to see people turning their back in a wall, mate. I have to be honest. No. Um, Marco, take it. Um, take it on the face. You know. Yeah. Take it like a man. Um, Marco. <laughs> apart from applaud, I mean, there are two things that I love. Well, there are so many things I love about David Luiz, but sadly we don't do a five-hour show. Uh, so we can't accommodate my thoughts on him. But number one, um, I need to mention his very uh, Kenny G like. Well, I don't know. Somebody was saying it. I can't remember who they said it looked like, but the, the ponytail look, which I thought he sported wonderfully. Secondly, I, I was absolutely delighted to hear, and it ha- I have to say, for the first time in a long time, the Chelsea faithful singing, "Oh, David Luiz, you are the love of my life." Yeah. I've been very yeah. disappointed this season that we've just been lazy and going, "Luiz, Luiz." which is a bit of a cop-out when we've got such a great song for him in, in, a, in the days when there are so few great and original songs. Um, but I thought, yet again, another masterful performance, apart from one very obvious thing. And he looks crocked as a crocked person at the moment. And you know, you know that, that, you know that um, attack that Burnley did where they, they ping the ball and, and, it, and it looked as though he'd, he'd missed it and he went straight past him? I reckon it was because he couldn't turn because his knee's fucked, basically. And that worries Correct. me, mate. I have to say, I'm really worried about it. Well, I mean, he had, he's had strapping on that since Aguero assaulted him in December in yeah. that game. Yeah. Uh, uh, the empty had, um, you know, and I guess obviously he's going to be rested for the Wolves game. Um, so, you know, he's got two weeks of recuperation. So, You'd like to think that um, that's exactly what's going to happen. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what happens during the week if if he's doing full training or if he's allowed to sit out, as some of the guys are when when they're carrying injuries. Um, because you're absolutely right. I think you know he he is pulling the chains in that um, Chelsea defence, and you know, no no disrespect to. Zuma or Aki or, or indeed John Terry, if he ever actually, you know, was he? Was he? He was. He was. He wasn't on the bench yesterday, was he? Terry? He was. He was injured in training. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I just I worry um, about Louise, you know, not making it for um, you know the, the the United and City games because he's. I think, he's, I think he's arguably one of the most important players in, in, in the side, mate. And I'll tell you something else, Marco. Is, what worried me slightly was that, I don't know if you saw this yesterday, but Mr. Bridger put out a tweet that I think he'd retweeted something that Louise had tweeted, and he was wearing a kind of a the, the backless nighty and a, and a mask. And, and the, the intimation was that he was going to go under the knife, so he, looking like he might have a bit of surgery. I don't know if anybody's heard any news on that. But, yeah, can I? I mean, yeah, no, basically. Yeah, go on, go on, mate, yeah. He, he didn't. It was just basically he got a bit of treatment from the Chelsea medical staff uh, and that's right. why he was wearing the gown. But no, he's not going under the knife. But can I just say something? I mean, I know, I know what Marco just said, but what was the effing point of taking Ake back? Because, you know, I got very annoyed yesterday because he could barely stand up and I know how pivotal and I know how important he is. Um, but because he was injured, and as you rightly surmised, he let the ball under his foot because he couldn't actually turn. Um, I think he's, that, brought, I, I think he's that, brought Ake back to play in the FA Cup, to be honest with you. So he can rest. Um, well, he's, got, he's got Zuma for that, hasn't he? Um, I mean, I know the squad, but I just think that <clears throat> we have we have to either 
you know, I look, none of us know how bad the injury is, but the fact that he was limping in the first half and continued to limp and could barely walk off at the end, not good. No, I mean, you know what? I had a chat with Kerry about this a few weeks ago. And, and, and it, I mean, you know, one of the lovely things about doing this show with Kerry is that you get insight from somebody who's actually played at a, a decent level and they know their onions. And, you know, and I was being a complete supporter, you know, panicking about what would happen if we lost Louise. And he was saying, well, here's the thing. He said, as a player, you're going to want to play every time and you will play through the pain. But there comes a time when you know you're so impeded that you're not playing your best and that's when you have to step down and he also said that look it's a squad game if you've got somebody injured and they're not being able to play at their maximum ability you've got to put somebody else in so in other words shut up panicking chidge well you know if it happens to him it happens to him you have to put somebody else in no matter how crucial they are because actually i i i saw that game yesterday and it to me it looked like you know he was playing he he was finding it so difficult to run and turn that it just seemed to me stupid to keep him on, no matter how crucial he is to us, Jonathan. Yeah, it seemed to go in stages, didn't it? He was limping around at the end of the first half, and he came out at the beginning of the second half and and, and ran around a bit and uh, and looked a bit more energetic. And then um, and then, as you say, that there was that, that that ridiculous thing when he let the ball under his foot. So um, I, I'm. Uh, once, uh, once again, he, he's obviously very, he's, he's still very capable when he plays on one leg, as you know, as we as we remember from the Champions League final, he was brilliant. So it's it's um it's down to the, it's 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 you know what's going on there? Somebody baking a cake or something? In the background. It's Marco it's making a racket. No, oh, is it okay? Um, but no. So I, uh, uh, God, I don't know. I. I'm trying to work out what the permutation would be if you didn't have him. Would you play Ake in the middle there? Would you play? Um, would you put uh, Cahill across into his position? What would you do? Would you play? Would you play Zuma? I don't feel that the manager has faith in Zuma properly. I think he well, gives Z- Zuma's not Zuma's not 100 fit yet. He's still not. Absolutely, no, he's not. No. He's not. As he, he mentioned, Conte said he had a really bad injury, didn't he? And it's been difficult for him to get over. So I'm interested to see um, if he can't play in the next. Um, is it the Watford game? Is the next game we've got at home? Swansea's no, next Swansea. game. Next, Swansea, yeah. yeah. If, he, if he, Swansea, if he can't play in that, uh, as to what the permutation would be, who we will well, choose to be in that position? No doubt, we will find it's out. Pretty, we, can't, we can't. Pretty integral. Pretty integral. We're but not going to. We're not going to answer. In two weeks, what's he going to do? In two weeks, if he's well, got some kind of, uh, you know, tendon injury, it's not going to help. Two weeks, he needs longer. We don't off, know because they've never, they've never no. said, they've never said what what the extent of the injury is, and there's obviously oh, a good indeed, reason indeed. for that. They don't want the opposition to know. But anyway, enough of that because we've got to move on because it's break time. But uh, before we do, I just want, I just want to say how wonderful it was to see JT in the away end and uh, having lots of selfies Brilliant. with fans and giving giving uh, people. Uh, I think it was um, Fiona. He gave a hug to. I can't remember. Uh, I just wanted to say that. I also wanted to say that Martin Tyler's commentary is absolutely bloody woeful. Um, for example, when he 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 mentioned that uh, Matic and Barnes had a bit of history, but he mentioned that Matic got sent off, but he didn't mention that Barnes tried to kill him. Uh, but he's just past it. For for God's sake, retire. I'm you know Motson's the same. I mean, they, they, they just lost it. He's rubbish. And the, the last thing I wanted to say, one thing that we should have said earlier, actually, is how fantastic the Chelsea supporters were yesterday. Um, it's a horrible old trip up north. Um, I, was go- I was supposed to be there myself uh, amongst the, uh, the 20 or so who were out celebrating the lovely Julie, uh, Julie's birthday. 
Um, and sadly, I couldn't go because I had to work. But uh, I know they had a cracking time. But, I mean, w- great trip, people. Well done. And well done for enduring some bloody cold weather. Now, um, before we go to a very short break, uh, talking about Kerry as we were a minute ago, don't forget, of course, to uh, tune in to the Kerry Dixon Show, which uh, I record every week with Kerry. Um, uh, this one, I'm going to record it on Friday morning, so it'll be out Friday. So make sure you download it via Acast, iTunes, SoundCloud, all the usual places. It should automatically go into your feed. Um, and, of course, Kerry and I will have a, a final say on the Burnley game, and we'll also have a look forward to the Wolves game on Saturday. Right, after the break, we will indeed ourselves be looking uh, ahead to the Wolves game, the FA Cup fifth-round tie against them on Saturday. Can we start dreaming of the quarters or even an FA Cup league double? Uh, We'll also recall some infamous Wolves-Chelsea matches from the past. Chidge. JK, in all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV. Oh, Chich, I'd be bereft. Inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boy's life. <laughs> it's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep, NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow. Great. Uh, But yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK. And best of all... No more tears for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy. I could cry. (laughs) Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea. Footballfancast.com. Welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge, and you are listening to the Chelsea Fancast. And uh, uh, top, top billing tonight. Great lineup. We've got, of course, as ever, Jonathan Kidd with me. Um, hello, Woo. Jonathan. And uh, we have uh, we have a fantastic scribe, sometime blogger for the Chelsea Fancast, Mr. Clayton Beerman. Hello. And last but by no means least, uh, the uh, the Citizen Kane of the Chelsea writing fraternity, <laughs> the the uh, the, uh, the 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 main man, the publisher of Gate Seventeen, and a fantastic bloke. And I tell you what, mate, as somebody who stood 
freezing your nads off at the CFC UK stall every other Saturday. I bet you were glad you weren't at Burnley. Uh, oh, I would have liked to have been up there. Um, yeah. I'm actually looking so forward I. to a, a couple of year in a couple of years hence when Misty's a little bit older, sort of getting back into the away scene. Probably will do more so anyway when we go to Wembley. I think at the at the behest of home games. Yeah, do you know what that? Do you know what that's a really that's a fascinating. We sh- we we really ought to have a proper chat about that on the show soon. Uh, I think because I, I, you know, Wembley's going to be a right pain in the derriere for me to go to if I'm if I'm down here. And and I've got to say the away matches. I mean, you know, I mean, I don't even have to to say. We I mean, we all know how much fun it is going away, and suddenly that'll become a lot more appealing. If, of course, you can get a ticket. And as we all know, it's pretty bloody hard. Anyway, uh, talking of which, actually, um, the Wolves tickets, the Wolves tickets, um, went out the door like uh, hotcakes, and they are now as as rare as rocking horse poo uh, to, to get one. And what, what, I, what I hope uh, doesn't happen, but I suspect will, is that, as always, the loyalty points hoarders will have got their mitts on them and uh, and and will now sell them on, which is I mean I'm I'm the chairman of the supporters trust. You would have thought I'd be able to do something about this, but no matter how much we moan about it and mention it and go on about it, it doesn't seem to be anything that anybody could do. It is an insoluble problem, I believe, the whole loyalty points issue. But I'm convinced that there are too many people who are out there uh, who who just buy tickets because they want to get the loyalty points because they want to get to finals and things, and then they just sell them on and. It is denying a lot of people uh, access to who would who would love to be at the game and make a noise. It's denying those people access to it. Anyway, enough politics from your uncle Chidge, uh, because I want to talk about the uh, the wonderful FA Cup, which I absolutely love. Uh, and the first uh, question I I shall put to Clayton actually um, is: It next stop quarterfinals, Clayton? Should this be an easy an easy outing or what? Or will it depend I... on who he plays? Because of course he won't be picking yeah. the first team, will he? I think it's I think it's quite difficult to predict because we don't know how many of the first team he's going to play. Um, I think they aren't very good. Um, they're they're sort of quite low down, but this will be the biggest game they've had in absolutely years. They are a proper proper club. Um, I'm very upset that I can't get a ticket to go because it would be absolutely fabulous. I think it'll be rocking. Uh, Five thirty. I mean, when I was growing up, Wolves were a big deal. Um, yeah. They they had they basically had their glory years years before I was born, but they were still a big club and they were doing well. Um, I don't know. I, I think he he will pick quite a few of the, the the better players. I wouldn't be at all surprised to see Hazard playing. I'm not sure about Costa, but um, I think he will. I think probably as as will play. Um, so. I think he he's going to want to win, and it's not going to be easy. So it'll be a big test. Um, obviously, be good to see the kids as well. Um, but I think we're now getting to the point where it's okay to see the kids, but we want to win, so we want to make sure. Um, I I could see this going to a, a draw. To be perfectly honest, mm. you, you weren't asking. You know what? I, I, well, I, well no. no, I wasn't. But thank you for t- thank you for telling me, Clayton. I mean, you know. <laughs> In, in in a in a sense, you know, I, I agree with you. You know, this is, this is this is too late to be pissing around. You know, we're we're one match away from the quarterfinals, which means we're one match further on from the semis. I mean, we, you know, we're getting close enough to smell it. And uh, yeah. you know, my understanding about Conte is that he is a man who likes to win a trophy. I mean, he won the uh, is it the Scudetto, the uh, the Italian yeah. FA Cup. Yeah, yeah. Oh, but, I mean, you know, he's won uh, the title. 
No, oh, I right, don't think so it's, it's the other. It is. Anyway, whatever. He's, he's on the Italian. The Coppa Italia. Go on. Yeah, yeah, that's All it. right, okay. Well, he, he's won it a few times, so he, he clearly likes to win them, and he doesn't take them lightly. So one hopes that he, he may actually have a stronger squad uh, than we've seen in the previous rounds. But, mm, you know, I have my doubts in a sense. The other thing, of course, JK, we would have expected jo- John Terry to start. Um, I wonder if he'll be fit if he's injured his ankle and he, he's got stitches in his ankle at the moment, so maybe not. I don't know. He's uh, if, if he's hardly playing in the season, he may have a... Um, you know, he's great at playing through injuries, isn't it? And if it's only a, a flesh wound, he may be out there. It depends what the advice they give him. I know he can't. We don't know what's going on in the uh, um, in the injuries room, do we really? We don't know what's happening. Can I just make an admission here? Um, mm. The very first the very first shirt I ever bought was a little wolves shirt. Why? <laughs> a, little, a little old gold. I love the colour. And I used to play oh, right. football in the park with it. I had a little Chelsea shirt, and a, a, but I, I, I weirdly had, I had, an, I also had a, a Nottingham Forest shirt. I, I, I was, and not that I was toying with my emotions. It was pretty obvious I was going, I was supporting Chelsea. But I just like wearing. I like turning up and say, "Oh, look, I'm playing in this today." I think I was just showing off a bit. But I loved the. Uh, um, it, well, one of the reasons was, of course, that uh, Wolves had won the FA Cup in 1960. Norman Dealey scored two goals and was against Blackburn Rovers. And uh, Derek Dugan was playing for Blackburn Rovers, who eventually ended up playing for Wolves, of course. But um, double diamond uh, works wonders. Indeed, indeed, that was one of. Uh, was he in that ad? That was uh, no, that was he that was. era, wasn't it? He was, yeah, yeah. He was. So um, yes, he was. You're right. But so uh, uh, yes, I, I have an affection for Wolves just because, as you say, they were a great team of that period when I was uh, when I was growing up. Uh, and of course, Billy well, Wright married one married one of the Beverly sisters. And, uh, and, and my and my dad, Billy Wright, being the great centre half, and my dad knew my dad knew one of the Beverly sisters. So uh, I actually met Billy Wright. I actually met him. Mm. Um, and, and he had. I have a, a soft spot a, for. I have a. I've got a soft spot for Wolves uh, as well. Funny enough, Jonathan, and and interestingly enough, from the same kind of era that you're talking about, because the only connection that my family has ever had to professional football was the fact that my this is quite complicated for me to work out but bear with me my it would be my mum's uncle's wife's father played for wolves in the 50s and had an fa cup medal wow an fa cup medal with them i I don't know i really don't know because i i I never knew her maiden name i only knew her as my my auntie eileen but they were all up there they were all from the midlands my mum's from the midlands originally so uh yeah, so I've always had a soft spot, and they were all big Wolves fans, so I've, I've always had a soft spot for the Wolves, I have to say. And I, unlike you, Jonathan, I love their, their kit, which, for those of you who are interested, um, is known as Old Gold. It's not orange, it's Old Gold. So how about that? But it went through a period, Chidge, of being uh, a more golden colour. And Yes. Uh, and it's sort of like whether they went for it, but there was that other period. When, it was, when, when Billy Wright was captain, it was slightly orange but it wasn't orange but there was even another period where you thought oh it is gold that's a gold color and i don't think they enjoyed that very much so they went back to the old strip um and the other, yeah, the other was, thing about it of course the, the other thing yeah. about it of course is it's a pro- proper old ground in a sense you know it's a bit i mean see the thing that i you know i hate and loved about the burnley ground uh was the fact that it, it it's four separate stands with great big gaping 
you know, gaps in between each stand. And Molyneux is a bit like that. I, mean, I know they've, they've modernised it and everything since a long time ago, but it, it still retains those great big gaps. That'd be bloody freezing if we're not careful. Um, Marco, the bottom line is we should be strong enough to beat the Wolves. Um, and other than that, uh, do, do you fa- do, can you smell a double in the air? Another Italian double? The thought, the thought has crossed my mind. Um, you put any money on it yet? No, no. I, I mean, you wouldn't get decent odds on it now. I must admit, uh, you know, I think all the all the Premier League sides are drawn against lower league opposition, aren't they? So, at the conclusion of um, this round, always. Praying and hoping that my local boys Sutton United turn Arsenal over. That'd be something. Oh, God, um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, th- I think that'll be you know once the quarterfinals are drawn and we see how it, how it goes from there, um, maybe then start thinking about the double R. I mean, I, I think Wolves are a funny team this season. Um, they, they can't get it together, but. You know they, they they seem to dig out the odd decent results, and I think they'll go for it properly. Go for it on uh, Saturday. Um, you know it's not going to be any different to that game against Burnley. I don't think. You know I don't know what the the weather's going to be like in Wolverhampton. Wolverhampton. Uh, <laughs> Saturday night, Slade in there. Come on, feel the noise. Well, you you, uh, you you know you know who's you know who the biggest Wolves fan on the planet is, don't you? It's Robert Plant. Oh yeah, yeah. He, I mean, he is. He's a proper proper fan as well. He's not mucking about. He's a proper proper fan. Um, you know, it's a it's a it's a really good point. I mean, I think they are going to be well well up for it. Of course, you wouldn't. You, they've got nothing to lose. Um, of course, the other thing is they got Paul Lambert as their manager, the most miserable Darius Scotsman ever. Um, and he has got an, an, an absolutely appalling record as a manager against Chelsea, which does give me some sense of hope, Clayton. I mean, he was the one that was on the... Uh, when, I think when we, we, we put eight past Villa. Villa. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So there is I hope. Mean, well, apparently it, it, Roy it, Wood is a... Sorry, breaking news. Roy Wood is also a Wolves fan, according to Pete Sampson. For, Pete Sampson, by the way, ladies and gentlemen in Mixler, you need to be doffing your hat to Pete because he is the... Uh, uh, the, uh, the, the he, again, like like Marco, he is the Citizen Kane of CFC CFC Net, the wonderful website that is. Anyway, sorry, Clayton, I cut you off prematurely. No, one of one of the most recent fabulous memories was when Jose went to do his "I'm leaving five minutes before the end, so I'm going to shake your hands," and of course, he yeah, he blanked right. him, didn't he? Yeah. He turned his yeah, ass on him. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he's obviously got a great sense of humour. Um, yeah, no, I've, yeah. I'm looking forward to it, but it, it will not be an easy watch. I mean, there's some there's some good ties on, uh, but as as Marco alluded to, once this round is over, it's going to be the big boys. But obviously, we're we're not worried about that because we we know that we're going to meet Jose we're in the, the final. daddies, mate. We're the daddies. We're going to meet um, Jose in the final. Is that what you're writing? Oh yeah, yes, I'd I love do. that. I'd love it. I'd love it. I really would love it. Um, yeah, I would. I'd like to smack that, that. That he deserves it at the moment. He's being so toady. Um, anyway, listen. I've got some facts and figures uh, which I shall share with you all. Apparently, by the way, in more breaking news, Andy Silverman. Hello, Andy. Hope you're feeling better. By the way, he says we're only seven to two for the double. So Marco's right. Very skinny, I think. 
Um, and Clive Lewis, actually, I've got to read this out because this is great. He says, I've got a copy of the Chelsea versus Wolves match in, I, pr- I presume you mean a programme uh, match in Jamaica in the tour uh, that brought back the Lib... Uh, uh, hang on. I don't, you, does, you don't mean Liberator, do you? Liquidator. There you go. God, I had a bit of a brain freeze there. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. God, I got there in the end. Anyway, look, the last time that Wolves and Chelsea met in the FA Cup was in round six. So that'd be the quarterfinals in 93-94, which saw Chelsea win thanks to a Gavin Peacock goal. Uh, and of course, talking of Man United. Yeah. And who did we play there, Clayton? Man United. When Man we got United, dubbed 4-0. Yeah. Horrible. In the rain. Horrible day. Uh, anyway, Wolves were beaten 6-0 in the Capital One Cup by Chelsea in September the 2012. Gary Cahill scored the opening goal of that match while Victor Moses scored the sixth. I don't remember that at all. Oh, this is very no. odd. I don't, I don't remember it at all. Um, no. The last team to knock out both Chelsea and Liverpool, because of course Wolves knocked out uh, Liverpool in the previous round uh, in the same FA Cup campaign, were Barnsley back in 2008, 2007-08, uh, when of course we had the uh, legend that is Avram Grant as manager. And as I recall, we were all kettled into some great big bloody barn somewhere near Barnsley in the cold and the wet. And it was horrible, apparently. Uh, uh, Pedro has scored three times and assisted another two goals for Chelsea in the FA Cup this season. So he's been our star. And Chelsea have won nine of their last ten games in all competitions versus Wolves, losing one, keeping seven clean sheets in the process. Now, what I would very much like to talk about uh, now, because you see, A, I think we've all got a bit of a soft spot for Wolves, but secondly, there's quite a bit of history between uh, uh, Chelsea and Wolves. And, and I'm going to start I'll with Jonathan, because of course... Oh, sorry. You can in a minute. You can you can in a minute. Uh, but uh, Jonathan, of course, will obviously remember watching Stan Cullis and Billy Wright play for Wolves in the 50s, won't you, mate? <laughs> Yeah, they were my mates. Yeah. <laughs> did the did the uh, did the um what was it the Beverly sisters? Uh, did they uh, did they bounce you up and down on their knee? And uh, no, I was singing with them. Um, yeah, of course. But, uh, <laughs> they no, were the no, original Rudy V's, weren't they? They were the original yeah, Rudy V's. <laughs> now, weirdly, my dad sang at um, various galas with them. Uh, not sang. My dad was an MC. My dad was involved with them, so they were. I think it was the uh, it was as I said it was Billy Wright's uh, wife was um, was a, a mate was a mate of my dad's for a period so uh, um, but yeah but you know they were they were there's that picture of Billy Wright got knocked over recently didn't it the um, he got run into by by a, a reveler um, uh, outside the ground it's got a wonderful tradition the club hasn't it and it's um, I suppose it's it, it, since they've not been anywhere near the Premier League well a couple of times it. There isn't the great rivalry they used to be, but I'd like them to be back in the uh, in the Premier League. Really, I wish they'd. Uh, um, uh, I mean, they, they set plans for to be back to to do well, didn't they? But they can't hear you, mate. They, 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 Thank they've you, not delivered the, they've not delivered the goods. Good. Anyway. Okay. I mean, in in all honesty, in all, in all seriousness, because I mean, the thing is that Chelsea and Wolves had a, a, a quite a rivalry in the fifties. Um, because Wolves yeah. were very very good then, and uh, of course we won our first title in fifty five. And, uh, you know, we would have, in fact, actually that year, I mean, I think actually, as I remember, I've got, I've actually got this, uh, you know, information at my fingertips, he says, as my uh, website, the website I was looking at has gone completely black. But uh, we actually, uh, there we go, I've got it now. Um, We lost to Wolves pretty much every time we met them in the 50s until uh, 54-55, which is when we won the title. 
when we won. But it was it's great, you know, like four twos, three fours, big kind of mad things like that. The other thing I've seen here that really piqued my interest, I wonder if anybody remembers this one. Uh, in 1975, does anybody remember getting dubbed 7-1 by Wolves? Yeah. I, do you know? Do you know? I've got I've got that website up, and I don't remember that at all. But I was very amused to see that we were one nil up at half time, and ended up <laughs> losing seven one. That that that's not true. That is proper. Chelsea. That's not true, mate. Well, the website must be wrong then. I'll tell you what, what happened, Marco. I, saw, I was at the second. I got in to the second half of that game. And we were losing 3-1 at half-time and conceded another four goals. Oh, so no, I'm just sorry. You're quite right, Marco. Do you know what it is? It basically, it, I mean, the, the website's a bit crap now I'm looking at it because it actually, the goal, the goal times in the first half are 45, 45, 45 and 45. And the goals in the second are 90, 90, 90, 90. So I do apologise. You're quite right. We were 3-1 down at half-time. Bill Garner scored. Yeah, what a yeah I saw that. Listen, there's another very, very famous match, which I'm absolutely, I'm, I'm, I'm convinced. I know Marco's got a story in the bag that he wants to tell, and I, and I will let him do this in a minute. But I, I can't go there until we've done a bit of this because I think for many, for many uh, Chelsea fans of a certain yeah. age, uh, the match against Wolverhampton Wanderers uh, on May the seventh, nineteen seventy-seven, will win long in the memory, even though it was a bit of a scrappy one-one draw. Uh, but what it meant, of course, was that draw got us promoted back to the first division uh, with Wolves winning. I mean, they they won the championship, but we we went up as the as number as the second team, uh, and of course, very much part of Eddie McCready's blue and white army. But what Marco was more significant about that particular match? What was more significant about it? Shall I help you out? Well, you, you can't well, you ban mean, a Chelsea fan. Ban. Yeah, no, no. You can't ban, ban yeah. a Chelsea fan. Yeah. I, I, so for those I, was, you, I, I was there. You were there. Was we? Were you both there? Were you? I mean, all three of you may no, have been there. Actually, I, I was know. at the seventy-five game, but I didn't go to that one. Yeah, no, I, I yeah. was. I didn't know anybody at that time. I went with a couple of mates, um, and we were. Yeah, I mean, we were standing behind one of the goals. There were thousands of us there that day. I mean, I mean, we were band tim rolls wrote a really really great article um about the day because uh, he's very good at the historical stuff i mean i can't actually remember <laughs> from one week to the next what's gone on but yeah now that was a brilliant day absolutely i mean it was just about one of the most fixed results you'll ever see we yeah, scored first. They band, they they yeah. equalised, and then I think we were passing it to each other for about yeah. sixty minutes after that. It, well, it, was, we knew... it was very much it was very much like that in my memory. Yeah. But, I mean, I wasn't there, but I, I've seen I've seen footage of it since, and it was uh, it was very much that. But for me, I think that the most you know the most important thing about that was because for those of you who don't know, the the then sports minister Dennis Howell uh, basically banned Chelsea from travelling to away matches because of our our hooligan. Uh, uh, reputation at the time and uh, uh, the, apocryphally the story goes something like this I mean obviously about 3,000 Chelsea fans went anyway and just went in the home end as they were want to do but when some kind of news reporter caught a Chelsea fan trying to enter he said but I thought you were all banned Why, what are you all doing here and apparently just turned around to him and said you can't ban a Chelsea fan mate <laughs> and that was it and it has thus been written into legend ever since but there you go um Listen, we really should move on because we've got uh, a bit of pluggery to do right now, which is a bit annoying, I know. But uh, 
But there you go. But before we do, I want to get Jonathan's perspective on there because I very rudely forgot to ask him if he was at that game. No, I wasn't. No, no. I was um, I was in France. Were you lost in I, France? Uh, no, I, I, I'd <laughs> like to have been lost in France. No, I was... Uh, I was I was um, uh, I was teaching English in France at the time. Were you? Were yeah. You? There we yeah. go. Well, that one, that one, I'm intrigued, but it'll have to wait for another day. Uh, yeah, well, right I, now, I'm, talking of I'm gonna, that's all I'm going to. That's all I'm going to tell you. Um, just yeah, to tell you, by the way, that Man City um, uh, are one up, but Bournemouth so, just scored a goal, uh, an absolutely legitimate goal, and the linesman gave it as offside when. Oh, great. Uh, when there was a, a, a city a city player, um, a yard, making him onside by a yard. And they gave the... They Typical. Gave the, uh, it was absolutely Typical. bizarre. Well, there we go. Say la vie. Now, listen, I've got some plugs to do. I've got some plugs to do, so you'll have to be quiet for a second. But anyway, um, first up, we need to say congratulations, massive congratulations to a great friend of ours, been on the show a few times, uh, and his name is Paul Crowder. Uh, Paul has just won a Grammy Award, uh, not Adele's Grammy, but his own, uh, for his fantastic documentary, The Beatles, Eight Days a Week, The Touring Years, which uh, he he edited and uh, produced. And uh, it's, it, I funny enough, I saw it only the other week, and it's a fantastic film. Uh, and Paul is, is without doubt a very, very fine and accomplished filmmaker, as well as being an absolute top bloke and, uh, as I said, great friend to many of us. I hope to get him, actually, uh, one week uh, on, on the show because, you know, don't see why not. If he's just sitting there in an edit suite, he's got Skype, why not? So you, you know you know Paul quite well, don't you, Marco? Yeah, 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 lovely fella. Um, yeah, I don't know what his next project is. He's done some pretty diverse stuff, hasn't he? But it's all good. Yeah, I, yeah, exactly. I, I don't know what he's working on either, but uh, I mean, it was really lovely actually because I was watching the film on on Friday night because uh, uh, the missus wasn't around and I was bored, so I thought I'd do that. And and I was WhatsApping him whilst I was watching it. It was almost like having your own having your own um, uh, director's commentary. It was fantastic, really, really great stuff. So there we go. So well done, Paul. Uh, hopefully, we'll catch up with you soon, mate. As I said, it's always lovely to see you now. Uh, talking of awards, it is the 2017 London Football Awards, uh, where Chelsea players N'Golo Kante, Diego Costa, Thibaut Courtois, Eni Aluko, Karen Carney and Katie Chapman, alongside Don Antonio Conte, are amongst those who have scored a nomination at this year's London Football Awards. Uh, now, the winners will be announced at the prestigious event hosted by... BBC presenter and uh, leader of the opposition, Gary Lineker, OBE, at London's Battersea Evolution on March the 2nd, 2017. Now, it's in its third year, the London Football Awards. It's sponsored by Tosca Fund, and it raises funds for former Arsenal goalkeeper and TV presenter Bob Wilson, OBE, and his wife, Meg's charity, Willow, which is the only national charity working with seriously ill young adults aged 16 to 40 to fulfil uplifting and unforgettable special days. Uh, now, the seven Chelsea stars that are nominated for four out of the eight awards, N'Golo Kante is up against fellow teammate Diego Costa for Premier League Player of the Year, Thibaut Courtois, Courtois who won the 200, 2016 London Goalkeeper of the Year, has been nominated again this year, and Antonio Conte is up for London Manager of the Year. Uh, Karen Carney and Katie Chapman and Eni Aluku are up for the London Women's Player of the Year, 
and, and actually Ennio Luko won that in 2016. So other awards include EFL Player of the Year, London Young Player of the Year, London Community Project of the Year, and Outstanding Contribution to London Football. Uh, past Chelsea winners, most of whom have attended the awards, are John Terry for Outstanding Contribution to London Football in 2016, Eden Hazard, Player of the Year 2014-15, Ji So Yun, London Women's Player of the Year 2015. Now, the nominees and winners of the awards have been selected by an expert judging panel from the worlds of football and media, from former players to major footballing bodies and sports media, including Sky Sports, The Times, Evening Standard and Talk Sport. Now, the London Football Awards recognise the very best of London football from the following 14 clubs, Arsenal, Barnet, Brentford, Charlton, Chelsea, Crystal Palace, Fulham, Lake Norian, Millwall... QPR, Tottenham, I'm surprised that they're included, uh, Watford, West Ham and Wimbledon. So there you go. Good luck to all the Chelsea people involved in that. How exciting is that? Right, uh, now our usual bit of promo for people we love. Um, first and foremost, uh, it's the CPO, the Chelsea Pitch Owners. Now if you want to own a little bit of Chelsea and protect the future of the club, go and buy a share in the Chelsea Pitch Owners who, as you all know, children, own the freehold of Stamford Bridge and whose aim, of course, is to ensure that Chelsea Football Club will remain playing at football at Stamford Bridge, apart from when we go to probably Wembley, but let's not talk about that. Now, to find out how to buy a share for around £100, English pounds, all you have to do is email info at chelseapitchowners.com or check out chelseafc.com forward slash fans forward slash Chelsea hyphen pitch hyphen owners. And you can also follow them on Twitter at pitch owners now you can buy shares in installments if you can't shell out 100 quid in one go so you can like pay something like 10 15 quid a month or something so there's a reasonable way to do it as well as uh, just you know buy one for about 100 quid now chelsea supporters trust of course uh, i can inform you all my good children that a long-awaited newsletter has been sent out and we have a special general meeting planned for february the 25th at 5 30 p.m until 7 p.m after the swansea game at the Lily Langtree pub near West Brompton Tube. Uh, join the trust, get your voice heard by the club. It's £5 to become a voting member or free for non-voting members. Uh, and all you have to do is sign up at chelseasupporters.trust.com uh, and that means you'll be able to attend the meetings, come to the events and vote on the issues that directly affect you and make sure you get your voice heard. Um, if you have trouble uh, paying via the website, because we're trying to sort it out at the moment, it's a bit of a pain in the ass. but you can always... Just pay uh, by uh, by signing up on PayPal uh, to the Chelsea Supporters Trust account. I think it's quite simple. Forgive me if I can't quite remember, which is a bit naughty of me, but there you go. Um, and finally, of course, as Marco will well know, because Marco's so excited that uh, this Saturday he will be hopefully standing uh, outside the CFC UK store in uh, West Indian uh, warm weather rather than ice cold weather because he'll be selling... Uh, many things actually but one one amongst them is of course the latest edition of cfc uk uh now if you can't uh if you can't get to uh the game and uh, go and buy one in person and say hello to marco or as he likes to say tarry a while uh then you can always get it digitally by subscribing online at cfcuk.net and if you're in the usa you can follow the twitter account uh at cfc uk usa and if anyone's interested in getting a cfc uk copy contact dan lundberg on twitter at dlundberg underscore and i believe that dan has now uh, changed his name by deep deed poll to at dlundberg underscore uh marco is it a good issue this month it is it is indeed some uh, most illuminating articles mm, good i can't remember what i wrote 
So contrary to popular opinion, I haven't read it first. Um, I tend to read uh, read it from the front, and I'm always at the back. So Tim Rolls is casting massive slander by saying that I always read my article first. But I have to say, I always enjoy reading yours and Kelvin's and Walt's particularly, Marco. So there you go. So I should look. I haven't read, it's been out. It's been out in a week or two. I haven't actually got through it yet. But. Oh yeah, and yours, Clayton. Yeah. Oh, yeah. thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I'm prompt. You what? I said completely unprompted, Judge. Thank you. Yeah, I know. Clearly slipped my mind. Anyway, um, thank you uh, for that. Uh, Now, after the break, uh, I'll I'll give my vocal cords a long overdue rest and uh, hand over all of the work to uh, a professional. You know, I'm afraid you've been dealing with an amateur, but I can give you a professional. Uh, We'll have the lovely Jonathan Kidd reading some cracking emails from Harsh Rathod, Tyler Nielsen, Zach Zahid, Alan Gavarin and Jimmy Shuker. Fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea Footballfancast.com. Welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge, and you are listening to the Chelsea Fancast. And we have on the show tonight. They've been here all night. Uh, I, I'm sure it actually feels like like they've been here all night for them, but. We've got fantastic Mark Worrell. Hello. We've got the lovely, delightful, intelligent, uh, brilliant writer for CFC UK and Chelsea Fancast, <coughs> Clayton Beerman. Hello. <laughs> and last, but by no means least, we've got the voice, Jonathan Kidd, the voice, who's going to Hello. read some emails Hello. for you. There you go, well, mate. All yours. Take it away. What, what, Marco? Oh, no, no, I was just... Uh, there was an advert on the telly the other day which sounded very much like Jonathan uh, f- for some sort of cereal. What, you mean cereal as in C-E-R-E-A-L or S-E-R-E-A-L? Breakfast cereal. <laughs> kind of cereal. Is it muesli or, or is it a, a cereal? cereal? Anyway, Do you know what? I yeah, bet it was don't... great... Yeah, no, I, I I did one of those ones. I auditioned for that for the line years ago. Did but you? I don't think they do. You didn't get it, I don't think. I don't. No, I didn't. I don't think they do. The bloke who did it originally had a was an opera singer in America, and he had a something like a four octave voice, so he could go or something like that. <laughs> um, anyway, this is um, this is one is uh, from Harsh uh, Rathod, as you called him, or Rathod. Anyway, Harsh. Sorry if I got your name wrong. Um, hello, guys. First, I'd, I'd like to thank you for broadcasting a beautiful show every week. I would like to take a moment to appreciate Sir Frank Lampard playing for Chelsea. He's knighted him already. And I would like to thank Ranieri for buying him. Um, talking about <laughs> Frank Lampard, talking about Frank Lampard reminds me of one of the first Chelsea games I watched. It was the to- 2008-9 Champions League quarter-final against Liverpool. In the first leg, when Lampard scored the penalty and pointed towards his mother, I was wondering why such a celebration. I was wondering why such a celebration. And then I heard the commentator talking about his mother, and that made me a fan of Frankie and Chelsea forever. My father supporting Liverpool and Newcastle made my brother support Liverpool. And that is when the house split into two. Hailing from India, the second leg at Stamford Bridge was at 1.30 a.m. IST, I presume that's Indian standard time. 
That game for me is one of the best games I've ever seen and will probably remain so because it was one of the first games I'd seen. I've never seen a team with so much fight in them. Being 2-0 down and then Drogba, Alex and Lampard times two scoring kept me awake all night. And there's never been a game that I've missed since, unless I was travelling. Secondly, I read an article somewhere saying that we could have and should have won four consecutive titles from 2013 to 2014. And I totally agree with that. I hope and think we will win the title this season, but I hope we don't slack after one great domestic season and up the next season. I've, uh, I've leaked there. However, I trust Don Conte to make sure players don't become complacent and give their all in England and Europe. If Conte Juventus is anything to go by, then we're in for a much better treat next season than what we're seeing right now. Bloody hell, I'm enjoying this season. What's it going to be like next season then? I hope we keep having those celery parades at the end of every season for years to come. Cheers, guys. Harsh rattle. Excellent. Excellent. What, what's the Ooh, celery just... parade? Celery parade. Is well, I think, we... I think he's alluding... I think, yeah, I think he's alluding to the fact that when we have the big parade, lots of celery gets chucked about. Ah, yeah. It just occurred to me, we should have a, an enormous piece of celery that we then we then wander around the ground with. I think that would be great. And people would just throw celery at each other. And that would be a kind of... Like a deity. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like an enormous, yeah. An enormous papier-mâché piece of celery. It'd be wonderful. Mm. Good stuff. Good stuff. Good stuff. Well done. Uh, well done, Harsh. That was good stuff. Um, second one from Tyler Nielsen. Dear Chidge and the boys and girls. Oh. First, I wanted to say that I listened to your podcast religiously on my daily commute. I was inspired to write this after listening to another American email sent a few weeks back by Mile High Chelt. As I write this, I'm drawing a blank on his true name, so I apologize. This will be a long one, so bear with me. Firstly, I'd like to say I'm a fairly new Chelsea fan. In fact, the first game I watched was the 6-0 pounding of Arsenal a few years back. But my love began, funnily enough, with FIFA. For one reason or another, I was drawn to the Blues and started playing with them. Seeing the team play live was amazing to me when NBC finally started showing matches. But what truly won me over was the title-winning campaign of 14-15. The next year, I moved from Salt Lake City, Utah, to Roseville, California, for school. But like Mile High Chelsea, I would call my parents after every game and we would analyse the game. It was a connection that no distance could break. I had the privilege of driving down to the Rose Bowl this past pre-season to watch the Chelsea versus Liverpool match with my Ukrainian friend Alex and his girlfriend of the same nationality. Now I mention their nationality because Alex has a bit of a hard time with English. But regardless, we still talk about the Blues every day we see each other, no matter the language barrier. We drove the six hours down to L.A. to hopefully try and catch a bit of pre-match training at UCLA. Little did we know that we would arrive as soon as training had ended and we would have had the opportunity to take pictures of and with our heroes that, we, that we'd been watching from afar for years. We were able to get pictures with Cahill, Hazard. We snuck some candies with Diego and with the second coming himself, Antonio Conte. We were the only two at the barrier after the team had left and we saw Conte being driven off in a golf cart when naturally, being the giddy two that we are, we asked for a picture. What stuck with me is he could have left and ignored us, and we wouldn't have thought twice, but he asked the driver to stop and take a few pictures with us, which reminds me 
I need to frame mine and put it on my wall. Now I'm in the field of communication studies in my second year of school now. And like the true blue that I profess to be, I wrote a final project about the relationship between true football fans and their club entitled Blue is the Colour. And as my last bit in this email, I will put my favourite bit that I pulled out of my air. This is, this is his quote. This is what he wrote in quotation marks. The chants are coming from a circle of pure blue forming in the middle of the parking lot. The three of us, being Chelsea fans, walk over and join them in joyous song. When the previous song concludes, any person in the surrounding area would immediately strike up a new one. Most different Steven Gerrard renditions. Every fan, young and old, knows each song word for word by heart. Not because they looked it up, because we had been singing these songs for years everywhere from our local bars and pubs, at home in our living room, or even in the shed at Stamford Bridge. We walk into the stadium, the songs from both Chelsea and Liverpool fans, ours, of course, being the loudest, echoing throughout the venue. Of course, the Firmino top-knot sporting Liverpool <laughs> tried to start a fight after our glorious win, but we would just sing our blue hearts out. Chelsea is now a huge part of my life and I'm saving my money to come to London as soon as possible to see a match. Save a drink for me, boys. Sincerely, California Blue, Tyler Nielsen. P.S. Please, please give Alex her own show. Her beautiful voice <laughs> complemented with a very, shall we say, fluorescent language brightens up my dreary Mondays. Oh, sweet. Mm. Well, sweet, sweet. I don't know about giving <laughs> Alex her... Sorry, mate, go on. <laughs> No, we're going to say, yeah, I agree with them about giving her own show. But, uh, but uh, I, I, love, I love the fact. I love the fact that, Chidge, that we've got the listeners all around the world. I think it's just completely phenomenal. And this is a great one from that. That was a great yeah. one from somebody who's just almost just starting out being a Chelsea fan, really. Yeah. Really, a few it's lovely, years. Isn't it? and, and knowing all the songs and he's, he's on the other side of the world, I think it's fantastic. Absolutely. As to say, as with, uh, as with Harsh as well. From India, I think it's yeah. absolutely phenomenal, phenomenal. It's it's it, uh, you know it, it's something. It's really funny, isn't it? Actually, chaps, because we were talking. And actually, before I say this, I I, I should add that uh, Tyler. I thought it was Tyler Durden when I first saw this, but clearly not. I don't think he's the uh, member of Fight Club. But um, he's he's also sent all of those pictures that he was talking about. You know, when he was when he was in the in the body of the email, saying that he had his photographs taken with 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 content. Everybody, he he emailed those with this email. So. So, sadly, it doesn't work very well on radio. But I was just about to say, isn't it amazing, actually, when, when we were talking about that Wolves game and, 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 you know, from the past and all of that, none of us would have, none, it would have entered none of our heads that in, in 20, 30 years' time, it's amazing yeah, yeah. That, 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 we, that we can connect with these people in a way that we wouldn't have even dreamed of years ago. Anyway, read on, dear boy, read on. This is from Zach Zahid. Dear Chidge, I hope you're all well. I recently wrote a piece about Arsenal at home, and I would love for it to feature in next week's podcast. Arsenal at home. I normally hate early kickoffs. Actually, to be honest, I usually hate them. It feels grim walking past packed pubs, seeing grown men down lager at half past nine, or having to be on the 5.30 train to Newcastle. But this is football. This is what we live for. No matter how much we hate it, we still do it. And we're up on time and with no need to rush. Waking up early for football is a completely different ball game to waking up early for work or school. You actually want to be there. And it's usually the highlight of our week. 
Arsenal at home always seems to be put at half past 12 on a Saturday. And this is the only time I love the early kickoff. The sun is always out and everyone seems up for it. I meet a mate and walk down to Wimbledon Station. It's about an hour till kickoff. The usual pre-match ritual commence. Predict lineup, talk about how many fans Arsenal will bring and how quiet they will be, what our plans are for the rest of the weekend. And most importantly, with the Hublot clock behind gate 16 fall off. Will the Hublot clock behind gate 16 fall off today? 20 minutes later, we arrive at Fulham Broadway. Burgers, fried onions, horseshit, wet. The makings of the perfect aroma. We meet with another mate and slowly make our way to the Matthew Harding lower. We walk past some gooners. I laugh at them for no reason other than the fact that they support Arsenal, poor dogs. We continue walking. We walk past the away end entrance where a few gooners try and make a big deal out of themselves singing the Ozil song. All three of them had drinks in their hands, which they all lifted, <laughs> which they all lifted in song. Two of them had cans of Fosters, which got confiscated, and the other, no word of a lie, had a Starbucks, presumably a latte, cup in his hand. Starbucks <laughs> at football. Starbucks while trying to intimidate opposition supporters. How very Arsenal. <laughs> in hysterics, I stumble to our entrance, <laughs> and as we proceed to our seats, park life starts to play. It's time, I told my mates, that if we win this game, then surely the league is ours. No guarantees, but one hand will be on the trophy already. As the liquidator started and my goosebumps emerged, I knew that something special would happen today. As Alonso scored the first, I knew it was game over. Arsenal's best period of the game had passed and there was no looking back afterwards. Courtois made an excellent save and we went into the second half on the front foot. In joyous mood, I said we had to score early in the second half to kill the game. And that's what happened. What a goal it was. The scenes afterwards managed to suppress the fact that I wouldn't be going to a match till near the end of February. The thing that made me happiest was the fact that one of the greatest songs in football was sung for the first time in what seems like ages after Fabregas and Czech scored the third goal. We <laughs> shall not be moved. We only sing it when we know something magical is happening. And I believe something is happening. I will sing the song on the beach as I will miss Burnley and Wolves as I'm on holiday. But I have full faith in Antonio and the team and hope that the double is on up the Chelsea. Many thanks, Zach Zahid. Well, I thought that was a wonderful email. And I have to say, Marco, I was kind of slightly written almost in the style of a certain Walter Otten, I felt. <laughs> there's a, there's, there's, there seems to be the proliferation of uh, I think JJ Reed is Walter's understudy, isn't he? Or... Well, he is, isn't he? I mean, he, I mean, I have to say, JJ, right? I mean, if you, you look out there, if you have, if you do get CFC UK, do check out JJ's uh, pieces because they are they are brilliant, Marco, aren't they? And I, I agree with you. It's very much written as an understudy to Walter, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Um, that was a cracking, cracking email, Jonathan. There are more. Clayton, I just wondered, we haven't heard from you for a while, so hello, Clayton, how are you? I'm very well, how are you? I'm all right, you're still alive, still awake? I'm, I'm listening to the emails, they're very enjoyable. They are, they're crackers, aren't they? Anyway, there's only yeah. two more to go, one's short and one is sweet. This next one's from Alan Gavarin. Again, hello, Alan. Uh, apologies for yet another email. I don't apologise. Great. Some may say I love the sound of my own voice, but the truth is I love the sound of Jonathan Kidd's voice. Oh, oh. you! Albeit <laughs> when 
albeit we're reading my emails. Yeah, that's true. We don't really converse normally, do we? But you know. anyway, just a quickie this time about quotation marks, that goal, copyright, end quotation marks. I really enjoyed the comments of the match of the day two pundits, not something I normally say about that goal. I think it was Jermaine Genus who suggested the rest of the Chelsea team just sat back and let Hazard get on with it, not even bothering to keep up with play. If even halfway through, I love what that says about A, their confidence in Hazard's amazing skills, and B, how relaxed they were about the opposition, and rightly so. Just one other point, the Chelsea player who does get closest to Hazard and is the only other player in the box when he scores is Marcus Alonso, a real sign of his fantastic work rate. Truly a privilege to witness. Forza Conte, Alan Gabarang. Good stuff. You agree with that? Yeah, it's great. It's great. Well, you know, whether that's... I, it, it seemed to be at the time they were quite happy to let him go on with the goal, weren't they? Because they, they sat back yeah. and they just watched him. So, uh, you know, but yeah, love Indeed. Nice mail. Nice mail. Nice mail. All right. Last, uh, this, but my name this, is this Lee. Jimmy, Jimmy Shuka. Uh, dear Chidge and the gang, I'm a lifelong Chelsea fan, originally from London, who since moved to Sweden after meeting my fiancé drinking at the Fox and Pheasant pub prior to that home game against Spurs a couple of years back when we beat them 2-1 with an offside goal by Kalou. Yeah, I remember that, yeah. I'm writing to you today to congratulate you all on producing such a fantastic podcast and to thank you for keeping me thoroughly entertained during my long shift at work. Your show is the perfect source of all things Chelsea and a taste of what's going on back home for a guy who's now moved overseas. I also have a special request slash suggestion to put to Chidge, which I'll come to at the end of this email. As a relatively new listener to podcasts in general, something that really stands out to me about the Chelsea fancast and puts you head and shoulders above the rest is the attention to detail that you consistently put into the mail to the mailbag section at the end of the show. Jonathan, in particular, does a fine job of reading out the emails. Oh, thank you very much. Each and every week with great enthusiasm and is an asset to the panel. Oh, please, that's a tenor I owe you. I can never understand by why such a fun and listener interactive section of podcasts can often be somewhat rushed on shows that I listen to from other sports that I follow. Such criticism cannot be said about the Chelsea fancast, though, as you're all doing a great job, though, as you're all doing a great job. So keep up the good work. They say that the smallest of, smallest of details are often what determines the outcome of a football match. Maybe it's a bad refereeing decision or a moment of magic from a world-class player. Or perhaps a team just gets that good old rub of the green. <coughs> I believe that small details can also determine the entertainment value of a podcast. And when the music kicks in for the outro at the end of the show and you all shout up the Chels, that never fails to put a smile on my face and always puts me in a good mood for the rest of the day. Chidge, please can you and Kerry incorporate up the Chelsea into the outro of the Kerry Dixon show as well? That will be the cherry on the cake to an already awesome podcast. What a season so far. Up the Chelsea, Jimmy. Well, there you go. Always save the best till last, they say, don't they, JK? And I think, yes. wasn't, isn't it lovely? I, do you know what? Because it, 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 it's, it, it, it's, a, it's a funny thing, isn't it? You know, uh, it's, it's a, I mean, you know this. We've all worked in, in, in media in some way, shape or form. And it's a, bit of a, it's a bit of a bold thing to just dedicate an entire 25 minutes to some bloke, admittedly 
a lovely bloke and a, and, a, and a professional voiceover artiste to read out somebody else's email. But I've always felt it very strongly that actually, you know, bollocks to convention. Let's just do it because these people take the trouble to listen to what we have to say. And, you know, if they're good enough to spend some time... And, and I mean, clearly, what, you, what we see every week is that they put a lot of effort into these emails. They think about what they're going to say. So I think, bugger it, we should read them out, Jonathan, you know? So well, there we go. I, and it's nice to have no, somebody recognise that. Absolutely. Well, I, it seems to be catching on, doesn't it? But, I mean, I, I'll hold my hands up, and I'm sure you would, Chid. If people wrote into Mixon or write to you and saying, I don't like that section of the, the, of the fan cast, then, then we... we, we We'd, we'd make it littler or even cut it out altogether, wouldn't we? But the very no, fact... No, we wouldn't. That, that, what, wouldn't we? Okay. <laughs> okay. But the very fact that... <laughs> the very got, fact that one, got that one wrong, Jonathan. I did completely. I did. <laughs> I did. But I presume that, was that, a, that was a rookie error there. Yeah, very rookie. Yeah, very silly of me. But all Jonathan, right. how, long but, have you known, how long have you known me? Do I ever do anything? Well, because obviously my audience not long enough. No, that's true. No, no, no. Well, no. I, I suppose that was just wishful. That was just. I'll be frank. I'll be frank, Clayton. I think that was wishful thinking on my part. If, if I get, if, if I get brilliant. If I get a huge lot of flack. No, but I don't. I don't get mails from people telling me. Uh, I get mails from people on Twitter saying really enjoy that part of the show. You know, and and yeah, uh, exactly. So, uh, you know, I, I, but I, I, I'm similarly. I'm afraid. Well, right, put it the other way. If I got letters, if I got tweets from people saying. I'm sorry, I really hate your part of the show and I can't stand it. I'd probably say to Chidge, Chidge, can we lessen the number of mails I read out? I'd be honest about it. Yeah, but you, you know, know. You, but you know but me, also, Jonathan. If people yeah. write in, if people write to me and say that, it makes me want to do it even more. No, it's true. It's true, and I agree. But also, the one thing that the really positive thing about it is, I absolutely, if, if it encourages people from all around the world who listen to the show to write in, I think that's an unbelievably positive thing. Because it just makes you, it, it's bringing the, 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 almost, you know, to be slightly cliche, but the, the Chelsea family together. I love the fact you get some guy you says, do. I'd love to meet you all for a drink. And you meet somebody, you know, who's, who's, you know, from America who comes over and he's at home. He comes and he knows there's a, an area that he come and meet people that he's communicated with on the Internet. I think that's absolutely fantastic. And, uh, uh, and, and great. Jonathan, but, it, it, yeah. it, it's the biggest joy that I've had. Uh, going to Chelsea since we've been doing this show and therefore people know who we are is the number of people I've met at a game in the pub and had a few drinks with and I, I think Marco gets this too because you know people know who Marco is and he's been at the stall for as long as I've known him and and you get people coming up to the stall every week don't they saying Marco I love your stuff in CFCK I love your books and it's really it's heartwarming isn't it mate it needs something to warm you up <laughs> <laughs> There is that. There is that. No, it is. Yeah, mean, I mean, it is. Uh, yeah, I mean, the banter at the stalls brilliant, actually. So um, it was particularly good before the Arsenal game. I think there's half of the uh, match-going fraternity of Twitter was was uh, gathered yeah. to the left of the stall. No, it's lovely that. I mean, you know, it's it's been part of my my match day ritual really since you and I became buddies. So, and I I wouldn't have it any other. I I get really cranky if if I've screwed up on my timings and I've not actually managed to make it to the stall. So it, I I kind I kind of get what they all get if you see what I mean. And that's exactly why I do it. Um. Anyway, listen, guys, we should move on because Jonathan's got to go and go to Lords and go go and get a net. He's hope Jonathan's hoping that he might catch Joe Root's attention. Isn't that right, Jonathan? Of course, I'm hoping you'll be there and give me I've been, I've been doing the whole of this podcast in my cricket gear. So, uh, Have you? Do you need to leap off I, now, mate? 
I do actually. I'm, I'm actually going to. A, it's a cricket club I've played for a couple of times last year called the Gaieties, and they're all a bit, uh, bit loveyish. So it's quite nice actually. Are so they? I, yeah. I think it fits me really. The Gaieties, the Gaieties in the stage. The two teams I played. Or the Deities even. Yeah. Oh, that would be even better. Um, so I'm going to bugger Jonathan, off. Jonathan, uh, um, could yeah, I just that, say that that yeah. will be the deity? No. Oh, clever. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Did. Thank you. I'm here. Jonathan, all week. as always, uh, it's been <laughs> an honour and privilege. You've uh, you've done us proud as always. Have a good net, and we'll see you next week. Thank you, team. Love, uh, thank, love to be on the show with you with you both, uh, Marco and. Uh, yeah. Cheers, John. Thanks. Buonasera. Buonasera. All right. What's we got to move on. We, we got to move on. Uh, now, as I always say at this point in the show, uh, we do love receiving your emails. As I think we, we've just discussed in great depth, actually, and we will always try and read them out on the show, uh, as we do. So send them to chelseafancast at gmail.com, uh, preferably before Monday, and then they will get on the show. Now, uh, as you've already surmised, that's about all we've got time for this week, uh, but make sure you download the next Kerry Dixon preview show this Thursday uh, in fact, it'll be Friday this week. Sorry about that. It'll be about Friday lunchtime. It'll be available for you to download. Uh, but anyway, Kerry and I will be looking back at the Burnley game and previewing the Wolves Cup match coming up on the Saturday. And, of course, I will be back next Monday night together with Jonathan and Dan Silver and Liam Toomey, ESPN's Chelsea correspondent. So uh, Liam Liam was, A, very well behaved when he came on and, B, completely upstaged by all of us being naughty so I thought I'd give him a chance to come back on and I'd make sure somebody sensible was on with him, like Dan. So there we go, I'm all hot. Now, don't forget to follow the show on Twitter, at Chelsea Fancast, me at Stanford Chidge, Jonathan at Jonathan Kidd, and Clayton at Goalie59, and Marco at Gate17Marco. And of course, check out the website, ChelseaFancast.com. And as always, many thanks to the Chelsea Fancast bloggers. Alex has put another cracking one up today. Keep them coming, people. We love to read them. Now, uh, many thanks to the fabulous uh, Clayton Beerman. Thank you for having me. It's been absolutely lovely. Um, and I look forward to coming back as soon as possible. I yeah, also look forward I to catching to... up with you. Uh, uh, what is the next home game? Swansea. Swansea. You there? Yeah. yeah, I'll be at Swansea. So you and I should have a pint or two in the cock, hopefully, yeah? Indeed. Indeed we will. All right. And, uh, of course, last but by no means least, my great buddy Marco Worrell. Always a pleasure having you on the show, mate. And, indeed, it was a divine pleasure this evening. It was indeed. It was indeed. And uh, I shall look forward to seeing you for our usual chat at the stall uh, before the Swansea match. Indeed. The one that Great stuff. Fabregas was starting. <laughs> Yeah, well, we shall see. All will be revealed. I, I put money on the fact he'll be starting against the Wolves on Saturday, but that's uh, we've already done that to death, so let's not go and revisit that. Boys, great to have you on the show. Thanks for uh, keeping me uh, in order tonight, as always. Now, thank you particularly to you lovely people in the land of Mixalar. It's a bit like... We should do it like a KLF version. You know, they come from the land of Mixalar. Um, we we could do that, but I don't have the million pound worth of cash to go out and burn in a field, so um, no, we won't be doing true. that. That's true. They did that, and ancients we don't. None of us have not, the ancients of Moomoo. None of us have Dolly Parton's phone number, sadly. So that that would also scuffle that one. Speak for uh, yourself. Speak for yourself. Yes, indeed. Anyway, enough of that. Mixler people, you are brilliant, and we love you. You make this show what it is, uh, and it amuses me reading. Everything you have to say, even if I don't read them all out. Now, thanks for listening, you lot. See you next time. Until then, keep it Chelsea, keep it carefree, keep it blue, and of course, most important of all, keep it Chelsea. 
It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times.